This episode of the Co-Optional Podcast is proudly sponsored by Squarespace. Whether you need a domain name, website, or online store, make your next move with squarespace.com slash co-optional. Gentlemen, welcome, welcome to the Co-Optional Podcast here on the 14th of March 2017. Daylight Savings Time has kicked in, so I expect none of you to actually be here. You're probably catching this on the VOD thinking, what the hell happened? <laughs> You're starting so early. What yeah. is this? I don't understand. <laughs> I both love and hate Daylight Savings Time in some respects. I love it in the sense that we do a tournament every month, which involves South Korea that don't use it. So during daylight savings time, there's less of a time gap. So right. we don't ask them to start playing at 10 p.m. at night, which is lovely. You know, so that's great. Yeah. But then I hate it because of how confusing it is for everybody else, since the U.S. doesn't move at the same time as Europe does. When you so, do live shows, it really fucks with your it shit. It really does. <laughs> Absolutely. Is California trying to like make an appeal to just ignore? Just get rid of it. Yeah. I mean, it, it might help. I, I wonder if there's any like serious argument in favor of or against daylight savings in the modern era. It's yeah, that's interesting. Like in nowadays, I don't know. I don't know that there is. Hmm. I wonder how much money it costs to do daylight savings with like how many screw ups in scheduling it causes. And how much, right. uh, how many losses it causes? I don't know. I know we're already losing viewers and ad revenue from it as a result of that because people aren't showing up on time. So there you go. That's proof positive. Daylight savings time sucks because it makes a mild impact on the Co-Optional yeah. podcast. Fuck farmers the of America. <laughs> yeah, you can add that. I'll go. I'll go testify in front of Congress <laughs> as to the damage that daylight savings time is doing to our show Fact. and the American people. We are as yep. a show a job creator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. we, we basically pretend this is a job, so we've created uh, jobs for ourselves. We're very creative. Indeed, extremely creative. <laughs> Not only that, but we are linked to other great job creators in America like Squarespace. Squarespace.com slash cooptional for a free child and 10% of your first purchase. And I have a wonderful Squarespace ad for you later on the show that I'm sure you uh, will either adore no, or hate. not wait. There's a split right down the middle on people that love those ads and people are like, please stop. <laughs> you just, <laughs> you're not funny. Like these little sketches, you're not funny. Stop pretending that you're funny. Uh, I think he makes fair. good jokes. I think they're fun. I like the goofs. I think they're good goofs. Indeed. The fun goofs. We avoid bad goofs on this show, honest. Uh, I think we run headlong into them. I yeah. think we see them and we're like, is that a goof? Let's do it. Yeah, just, <laughs> we just don't don't swerve out of the way. <laughs> what is that wonderful quote from the House of Cards? Uh, I'm the sort of person that expects the fridge to move out of the way for me. Uh, there you go. That's us with bad jokes right there. Mm -hmm. 
I think one of my favorite House of Cards quotes is, I love her like a shark loves blood. Mm, yeah. I, I, that I just was started watching. I was like, God, that perfectly sums up mm. how fucked up, but like, like just completely tied in your relationship. Super is. <laughs> compelling, that show. I, the first time I tried to watch it, I flamed out on the first episode, which is not the first time that's happened. Like it happened with Breaking Bad as well. And even I think the first time I watched The West Wing, I flamed out mm-hmm. on that. And then I, I came back to it a couple of days ago having binge watched the entirety of Danganronpa. So I decided, well, I've watched Danganronpa. So the obvious logical conclusion would be to move on to this US political drama with Kevin Spacey in it. I think so. Yeah, yeah indeed. Look, you just like, like <laughs> I see the parallels. Absolutely. Some shows you just need to watch at a certain time in your life and it mm. clicks. You're like, I get this shit now. I yeah. get it. Before I wasn't in. Now I'm all in. Mm-hmm. I, I am well in on that one. Speaking of well in with the right people, Mr. Force. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but okay. <laughs> I mean, here, here's, the, here's the potential segues you could have had. Well yeah. in with the right people, or speaking of bad goofs, or speaking of a bad joke. Those are actually, that's show. more applicable, I would imagine. All right, fine, we're going back. Speaking of a bad joke, welcome back to the show, Force. Hey, thanks for having me again. Nice to be here. I was actually going to harass you the other day. I was like, it's been a while, uh, TB. When I I, I'm glad you didn't. Back. I had plenty of people harassing me yesterday, so thanks for not adding to that. No, no problem. <laughs> yeah, happy to be back. Uh, I play more than just Overwatch. I hope we can talk about that here today. Oh, Nathan, yeah. I might be surprised. <laughs> Yeah, what? yeah. You, well, you were. That's at, the only reason you were you're here. I know. <laughs> I was thinking. I was going through a list of people. It's like, who do I know who's reliable and went to PAX? And you spent like all, uh, like several days actually in our little Skype group saying, "Oh, I'm going to go see this game. I really want to go see Dauntless. This is. I'm really excited. I'm like, you are ideal for this show. Let's go. That uh, <laughs> yeah, sounds like I a checked, great idea. I checked out a few. I didn't check out actually, to be honest, any of the indie booth. But I think Jesse's got. A I did. There, yeah, so. Jesse's got you covered on that one. So I think the way we're going to do this is the first hour of the show we're gonna probably do pack stuff so it'll be mostly jesse and force and i'll sit here as the moderator asking questions and dodger you can uh play some dang and romper dodger, I, got some games for you, though, girl. <laughs> I got some games for you though girl i got you i've been looking out for you you, I'm, I'm sure yeah. you'll. I'm sure you'll find something to do. No problem. And that's Looks like she's got an eighth of a bagel there. I'm so. ready. Oh, well, I thought that was. A, I thought that was like a big cookie. I'm oh looking at God, the color I'm of so that. What, what? What kind of bagel is that? The color looks a little bit off. What's going on with it? It's a multi-grain bagel with oh. almond butter on it. Okay, that would that would explain many Fucking things. Almond butter. Oh my Not just <laughs> almond butter. The like almond butter honey mix that you can get. Oh, oh no. Honey, ugh, honey is the devil. It ruins get everything. Get out it's of in. here! Nope, nope. Honey's Please terrible. Get reality. Honey is disgusting. Hate it. Absolutely hate it. Anyway, send out the show. Packs. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. Jam. We'll start with packs, and then we'll probably go on to stuff we've otherwise been playing. Maybe with a bit of packs overlap, and then we'll do the news, and we'll do the releases at the end of the show, curated by Dodger this week. She's paid the list down. So if the your favorite waifu game is missing, then it's your fault. And you can blame her directly. It won't be. Uh, Let's be honest, it won't be. If it's a waifu game now, I expect it not It'll to be, be missing at all. Here's here's a more accurate one for me. If your favorite um, 4X minimalist space game, <laughs> you can blame me. <laughs> right, min- minimalist and 4X, those are things that don't generally go together. I'd love to play a minimalist 4X game. That would be very interesting. <laughs> all right. 
Uh, well, let's start with PAX. Obviously, as you may very well be aware, PAX East just concluded. Not a show, of course, that is usually full of announcements. That's not really the nature of it. It's no E3, but it's a huge consumer show with a great number of games on display. Both Jesse and Force attended the full three-day madness in Boston, and they come back with their reports of the games that they have been playing. So... Who wants to start? You both played vastly different stuff by the sounds mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I actually, I think I probably played less total stuff than Jesse. So I guess I could start with some of the big things I saw. First off, I'll say there wasn't like a, a lot of new stuff. I feel like like Gears of War 4 was there. Lawbreakers was there. Stuff we've uh, already seen. Bulletstorm was there. Uh, yeah, Blizzard, yeah. Blizzard had no presence other than a Blizzard. Oh my god! At the 9 a.m. like press, you can get an early thing. I saw the Blizzard. It was huge. I was like, "Oh shit, that's where I'm going." Ran over there, and it's just a store. And I was like, "Oh, yeah. all right." To be and fair, as a consumer left. show, kind of makes sense. You know, Blizzard has a lot of swag that people really like, and people do buy a lot of stuff at PAX. That's you don't go there just to play games. Oh, I always dude, come out of there with something. I'm gonna say this year, maybe. One out of every five booths was just merch. Oh, like, really? right. there that, was a lot of merch unusual. booths there this year. Right. Yeah. Like too many? Uh, I mean, PAX East is huge, so I don't know that it's necessarily too many. But it was a, it was noticeably more than in the past. Like you could tell, like, oh shit, this is like, every booth has its own giant attached merch merch booth. There was a lot of gaming gear things this year. There was an, there was two esports jersey vendors. Wow. Um, okay. Oh, there was all sorts of stuff there. Yeah, yeah. And more importantly, the gaming, uh, board gaming, tabletop gaming element was really drastically reduced. It was really much, much smaller. And I think it's because of the. Do you think it's uh, the unplugged thing they're gonna do? Adding, yeah. Because they they're doing a new event. I actually think I'm gonna go to that. I want to do some board gaming stuff this year. I really want to go to Gen Con. I've never been, and I'm probably attending Dragon Con this year as well. So, I mean, and I want to go to this PAX Unplugged thing. So do you think that because they've sort of offloaded that to its own event that they've reduced yeah. the presence of board gaming otherwise? I think so. There was, I, I felt that there was a bigger board gaming presence at PAX South than PAX East. So for what That, that kind of also makes a certain degree of sense because the, the big presence of games at PAX South is, is definitely less. Like it's the, it's not the big convention that the big guys go out of the way to go mm -hmm. to. You'll go get to play some really cool, awesome indie stuff there. But it makes sense to have a tabletop presence there as well. Yeah, yeah. It's. It, uh, I mean, it was. It was definitely a different con this year uh, than in the past. But again, I think it's because there are more paxes, and uh, it's. It came out. This pax is in a month where a bunch of huge games just came out, and all the other games are pretty kind of far away. So. Uh, yeah, I guess that's a good point. It does arrive at a weird time, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, March yeah. has been insane so far and it's not done being insane yet there's still several major releases before the end of march right uh yeah so i, I guess if i were to start with anything i went to the bethesda little section and they had three games on display there oh i want to give you a fair warning too there's a nor'easter going on outside so if a i just what? disappear at any point during there's the uh, there's a what going on a nor'easter nor it's, it's a weather phenomenon if you're on oh. the east coast Okay, we're getting we're getting like two feet of snow and it's piling on right now. Oh, so. you got hit by that. We, it it went through us and yeah. it laid on the ground for about five minutes and then just disappeared. That was it. Oh, 
No, so we, we didn't get we're supposed hard. to get quite a bit for like two days straight. So I'm just warning you. If I, if I disappear, that's why. You've been buried under maybe, meters of snow. I thought maybe that was like a pre-Easter celebration or something like that. Yeah. It's like a Nor'easter? I, I thought, what like, is, I, I, you've, I, never, you've never heard Nor'easter? That, that, I have. Uh, really? I, am I, I culturally you know, I ignorant? You, I is this like, is I am this some sort North of festival? West Pacific Coast baby. It's I like Thunder I mean. Snow. The East gets that too for some ungodly reason. Oh, yeah. No, we, thunder we, Snow. We, <laughs> you know. What, you, no. mean, you mean like the, the dry lightning and dry thunder that we randomly get at night as well? Yeah, the, those yeah. are always fun. That's funny. Anywho, uh, so I, yeah, I went to the Bethesda booth and the first thing that I checked out, well, actually, I won't say the first thing because... I checked out the Elder Scrolls Online expansion coming out tomorrow. Okay, yeah, yeah, uh, they're, they're doing like a full a whole Morrowind thing, are they? Yeah, they didn't, for what they, all they showed us was this this multiplayer arena thing. It, it was basically, to me, it seems like they're adding like kind of a large scale WoW, WoW arena. There were teams of, I believe it was five or six, one for each of the factions. And so it was a, it was, there's three groups total all fighting mm. in the center and it's basically like a death match. Uh, it reminded me why I stopped playing ESO. Like there was a lot that I really liked about that game. I liked the world. I liked the all the VO and that they, the energy they put into that. I liked exploring. I just thought the combat was abysmal. And that's that's the problem. Yeah. They yeah. can keep adding all the stuff they want, but the core game mechanic is still pretty jank. So it's like So it was it was like 15 minutes and it was just a it was just a mess. It wasn't fun. It was pretty mundane. It was kind of boring. So that was a disappointment. Yeah, like, I'm sure for people who are still into that game, they're super excited about Morrowind. It's going to be a new continent to explore. And they're adding a new class, I believe. So there were... Yeah, Bear Boys. I don't remember what it's actually called. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure they didn't... I don't remember. I'm not up on my Elder Scrolls lore, but I don't recall the right, the class of Bear Boy is a thing. Bear Boys. It's, it's, Bear a, Boys. it's a very classic... <laughs> Ah, okay. Yeah. I can't um, wait to play my uh, old Bear Boy deck in Elder Scrolls Legends. That'll be great yeah. fun. Yeah, exactly. I uh, have um, yeah, I have a ton of family members who play ESO all the time, so they're really excited about Morrowind. You think it's so just because they really like the world, and that you know, I think like it seems like this expansion is. It's like you said, like they haven't changed the things which we don't seem to like about the game. But right. for somebody that's already okay with those mechanics, the idea that they have access to Morrowind is a huge deal to them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I like I can't I can't crap on the game too hard because I did I think I played like five hundred hours total. I played the beta, I played release. First, so you got I, your money's worth out of that then. <laughs> yeah, and then I I actually I played a ton of when they released the Xbox One version. I ended up really liking the way the game played and felt with a controller, which really? surprised me. Yeah. And I guess come to think I, of it, yeah. It would, I it think would probably what work. helped with it too was that one of the problems I had, one of the big problems I had with the combat was how unimpactful it felt. Mm-hmm. And so when you add the, the feedback of the controller, that actually helped with that, which was interesting. Yeah, I've never really thought about it that way before. That Rumble, it always seemed like, I mean, it kind of still is, I suppose, a gimmick, but I do wonder what, what it could do to add just that little bit extra maybe push that that satisfying feedback over the edge to the point where maybe you didn't enjoy it with a keyboard and mouse as i mean i I noticed myself playing a lot of spectacle fighter games with a controller even on pc and there's a few reasons for that but even when you have a good control scheme with keyboard and mouse which a lot of these games don't but even when they do i still prefer playing it on a controller there's just something feels right about it 
Like it, yeah. it feels like it's more connected to what I'm doing on the screen. Yeah, any game that doesn't require precision aiming, any character action game, I, I do actually really like with controllers. Yeah, so, me too. And, you know, we don't need to beat a dead horse. The Elder Scrolls conversations happened a lot. I guess the point was I played it. I was hoping, you know what I think? I think that had they not just jumped us into something that was just all about the combat, which was that arena, that multiplayer arena that we did. I think yeah. if they put me in a zone where I was going to explore and have some story stuff and get to see some of the Morrowind, how they laid it out in this game, I probably would have a better impression. of. I'll probably still check it out. You know, I, I don't, again, I played enough that I don't, I obviously don't hate it that much, but um, something about it just always felt like slow and sluggish to me. The combat never really clicked. On the flip side of that, though, moments after I took a look at Quake Champions, and I thought that was amazing. Like, I had a lot of fun. Very, like, frenetic, frantic gameplay. Um, I did well, so that always feels good. <laughs> yeah, it, it does help. Yeah, that very much impacted. It reminds me when I, when I played uh, Lawbreakers at PAX East, and I ended up coming, like, top of the leaderboard i think that gave me a much better impression of the game <laughs> than it would have if i was uh, sucking balls at it right um I, I i don't know i just i i personally haven't played i know there's kind of there was a resurgence of these old school arena shooters maybe three or four years ago something like yeah. that and i didn't really get into too many of those wasn't one like nexus there were Nexium. Next, oh yeah it's it's a really weird pronunciation i never got that right it's like next swiss or it's oh. it really spelled weird yeah there was um there was a few of them like that was one that was actually kind of fun they had some weird like mario party shit going on with that game where random shit would happen during the match it was pretty enjoyable uh toxic is something that's still in early access right uh, that got a lot of hype a while ago but seems to very much die down uh reflex arena just came out and there's a bunch of free options as well, like uh, Xenotic, Warsaw, uh, stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they there was. A, I don't know if the resurgence you could really call a resurgence because none of those games really got popular. They they were flash in the pan for the most part. Right, and I I get that that's been. I guess I I heard you talking about this TB that people are concerned about yeah. how this one's turning out. But I have a lot of opinions on that. Yeah. From someone who who hasn't kept up with it, who didn't really spend any time with the those that came out a few years ago and the stuff that's in production now, I just had a blast because it's it's such a far cry from. Uh oh, did oh no the nor'easter. Oh, Ubisoft got him. He said a far cry. We got cut. <laughs> he said such a far cry. Ubisoft was like, Boop. oh no. Well, this is a great start. Well, hope, ho no. hopefully he'll come back and this is going to mess up all my cameras as soon as he does. I, so please expect horrible things to happen in a second to the cameras oh, on the screen. Oh, <laughs> While, He's so, oh, his face is like that of it's a defeated it's a, man. It's so sad, isn't it? It's <laughs> so very, very sad. Well, I can sort of follow up on his conversation at the moment because uh, this is a point I was going to bring up anyway about Quake Champions. That there is a lot of back and forth on this game in the sense that there's are some very vocal people that are yelling that it everything is sort of ruined because they added a class system to the game of sorts yeah. where there's there classes these... and abilities is casual why isn't it yeah. a skill based oh it's just overwatch now uh, yeah i and I, I read that stuff and i think to myself what exactly is it that you want because i exactly I, when i'm reading all of these forums 
for pe people who are trying to explain why they don't still play Quake Live or UT4, even though it's in alpha, it's still, you know, a very competent game, or any of these other games, like, well, they didn't innovate. Like, okay, but, so, is this Schrodinger's Quake? Like, it simultaneously has to be the same as Quake 3, but different to Quake 3. Right. What exactly are you it looking for? It has to be exactly the same, here? but it needs to be better. Yeah, exactly. So. I, I don't, it's very, it, it's so very odd. I, I think that the reality of it is that people actually don't know what they want. And they're going to be told what they want. They're going to be presented this game by a company that knows quite a lot about making these sort of things. And they're going to learn that this is actually fine. And they're maybe going to put up with an ability or whatever. The idea that it's being turned into Overwatch is bullshit. Mm. And I think that that's, that's the sort of opinion that people have done no research on the game. Like, here's, here's the thing, like, every character has one ability, right? But the ability cooldown can be reduced by getting pickups on the map. So people were complaining, oh, well, it's changing the game from a pickup-based game to a loadout-based game. I was like, no, that it's very pickup-based. The map control and grabbing these items, which will reduce the cooldown on your ability, which is actually fairly long, is super important. So actually, yeah, they're integrating a new element to the game, but it's very thematic and very in keeping with the way the competitive Quake works, which is map control and pickup control. It, that's even more important than having good aim and good movement in that game. It's so much more important because if you can get super armor, you have a fundamental advantage. It's like, it's like, oh, well, I just want it to be a fair fight. It should all be skill. But Quake's never been all skill, though. Like, if I go into a one versus one duel against a dude that has super armor, red armor, and I don't, I'm probably going to lose the fight. It doesn't matter how fucking good I am. There's only so much dodging and weaving. You're not fucking Neo, mate. That You right. can't dodge all the bullets. You can't, even if you hit 100% of your shots, you could still lose the fight. You could totally still lose the fight. So there is always this element of unfairness but it's tied into controlling that map and so are the abilities as well so i'm i'm actually kind of interested in playing it because honestly the problem i've got with arena shooters right now is that all the ones that i go and play are so similar to what i've already played that i'm like well why i'm already kind of done with this yeah it, there's actually this opinion that and i i I, uh, I spent a good hour or so talking to james Toogood harding a couple of days ago about this and he can talk when it comes to things like quake he's currently one of the developers on uh diabolotic or something along those lines which is an upcoming shooter and he's a former professional quake player and he he claims that quake live and quake 3 is a solved game that it's got to the point where people are so good at it that there is literally no way that you can innovate or change the meta anymore the game is solved. Okay. There's an optimal way to play it at a competitive level, and anything else is suboptimal. So there's no room to be inventive. There's no room to express yourself with a play style. And as a result, people are bored of it. Even the even the competitive guys are get are bored of it. So in order for that to change, you have to change the game itself. You have to add something new, and you also have to create a living product where you're constantly updating it and changing the meta, like Dota or like League of Legends. Like, they change those games all the time. So people don't get bored of them because they're constantly in motion. They're, they're living games. 
where it's sort of like quite live in its current state, at least the way that people say is the right way to play, that doesn't change. That hasn't changed in like 10 years. Word. There's, a, there's a preview of it. quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a preview of an upcoming video I'm going to make, by the way. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, lo lots of talk about that. So, uh, I, which is why I really wanted to hear what Force had to say. He's just re he's I coming back in momentarily. By the way, he okay. just said he had a power outage. He's he'll be back. I was going to say, has anybody heard from him? Damn yeah, oysters! Now you know what they Damn are. Noise. Yeah. Now you know what they are. That you they do. shut down podcasts. Apparently That's they do. They yeah, they. They totally do. So that's uh, very unfortunate. But yeah, he she should hopefully be back momentarily. That's all right. I really wanted to hear what he had to say about Quake Live. But unfortunately, not at the moment. So that's that's fine. Until he comes back, let's move on to stuff that you played, Jesse. Let's hear what you had. Yo, uh, I played a ton of indie games. And I tried to like, because I know we don't have all the time in the world. I tried to like... Think of the ones I really enjoyed from different categories, sort of mm -hmm. give you like a general Spray. view of uh, the indie games that were there. And so, man, we can start anywhere, but I'm going to start with, I think, what my favorite one was. Uh, it's a game called Tooth and Tail. I have and played a little bit of this. I actually have I access to this. it. This Boy, is by the Monaco dev. It, uh, I would, let's, let's hear about it. Yes, but yeah, this is the, the developer that made Monaco, which was a yeah, really fucking cool watch. game. Yeah. Um, so the basic premise is, uh, animals, sort of anthropomorphic animals, uh, in this nation have run out of food. It's like a think, think Soviet era Russia. They've run out of food and they turn on each other and, uh, are eating each other essentially. And so there is, Hey, hey. welcome hey. back. Hey. And you're, hey, you're now you're now both swapped in position, which is great. Uh, thanks for that. You are now Jesse. Everything I know. I'm sorry. Yes, I felt the disturbance in the force. Okay. Ah. <laughs> it's, 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 I can, it's all I my can fault. stop my video and like come back in. No, no, I'll move you around. Don't fuck with anything. Just okay. you keep talking. I'll handle it. All right. Gotcha. Anyway, so Dude, Tooth and Tail is this sort of uh, Soviet Zootopia, and there are four main characters. At least we can play at the time. There's a there's the clergy, which is like this the, this guy that's sort of like I, you know, we all have to sacrifice in order to save us. There's the military that's on their side. There's the state police that's on the people's side, and then there's this revolution that's led by my favorite character, this little squirrel girl who cut off her hand in order to feed a family. Which I'm like, Jesus Damn, Christ, <laughs> yeah, that's dark. <laughs> and so, what the game is is it you play as one of these four characters, and you are both the scout and the like scv if you're gonna go starcrafty because it's essentially an rts but also like a clash of clans kind of deal so you are um you build farms around uh windmills that you have to take over and those farms provide you with food that you use to supply your units but the farms decrease rapidly over time and cannot respawn so you have to move to another windmill and keep moving around the map so it's a very fast-paced game and meanwhile all the units you're creating uh, there, there. You can load out. I think it's five total, maybe six. It's total, like five uh, or six, yeah. Yeah, units. But there's a whole selection of multiple tiers of units you can use, and so you can use anything from drunk, like squirrels with pistols and alcohol, to a wolf that uh, shouts into a megaphone and like powers your guys up. They got some really cool a, characterization. There's a little bit of steampunk in there as well. I noticed. Yeah, yeah. 
There's a, a, a hawk or an owl that has a machine gun on its back that can fly around and kill guys. There's a badger with a cannon. There's all sorts of like really, there's like a lizard that's a, a northern lizardman. So he's like covered in fur and has a spear. It's all, all really beautiful looking stuff. And then um, the, the exact same artist who did the art for, um, shit, my brain just died. The board game that we played where you're Armello. animals. Armello. Yes. Armello. Yeah. Uh, the exact same artist did the exact same artwork for this. Oh. Or like similar artwork for this. Rad. Okay. That's awesome. And so the way it plays is it's, this is making me think of Armello. So <laughs> and the way it plays is it's either uh 1v1, 2v2, 3v1, or uh I think there might be a uh, a mode where it's free-for-all. I'm not I do not remember though. But uh so you essentially are these characters and you're building armies and you're fighting with them and you use control and all you do is it's kind of like the one game where you were in ancient Greece and you led around your mob. Of people. Yes. Yes. It's just like that game. And you lead around your army and we're, you have to bring your main character because that's how the army sees. They see your line of sight. So he has to be engaged uh, in that combat. It's yeah. Super that, fun game. And you can it's get shot at, by fun. the way. Like, if, if your dude is not invincible. Uh, I, I have barely played this. I have a copy of it. Since you've played it now, I would love to play against you. I think that would be great. Um, yeah, it's, but, it's, I, I made uh, I made Krendor play Northern Lion, and it was really funny to watch mm. them play, because I, I had played it so much that I beat it on the hard mode and was like, guys, you got to check this game out. It's so good. And I watched them play each other. I was like, oh, oh, I finally understand Twitch. I was like, oh, you're doing it wrong. It was uh, <laughs> yeah, you're backseat game oh, yeah, the hell out of it. It is. I yeah, and um, yeah, this very it's got there really is a single player uh, for yes, someone in there chat. Is a campaign. Like, is it multiplayer only? There's a story campaign and everything. Yeah, it's not in the current version of it. I'll say like they're currently like focusing on the multiplayer. Uh, the version that I've got on Steam has no single player at all. Um, it doesn't have a tutorial active either. But like the the multiplayer is like very fleshed out. Uh, I tried it briefly. It's weird that you bring it up because out of nowhere I tried it briefly yesterday. Just thought, oh yeah, Tooth and Tail. I wonder if that's been updated. I sort of ran around trying to figure out what was going on. And the AI commander or scout, because it's kind of both because he runs around with a banner, ran next right. to my windmill, which is being farmed by pigs. But and I'm, I, I wonder if there's some like political commentary going on anywhere in there, some animal farm shit going on. But the right. pigs, like if you run next to them, they pull out pistols from their trousers and start shooting at the yeah. commander. I was like, this is fucking cool. Uh, it, I, I, yeah, I'll, I'd love to play this with you, actually. I, mm -hmm. it, it's, it, it seems like it's got tons of potential. It, you're right in the sense like it's a active RTS. It's like there's a bit of Pikmin in there. There's a bit of Oclos, and but it, it is a real a call. Yeah, 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 yeah real time too. strategy. Uh, but with but one that you're directly controlling and using your commander to like put up a banner and giving orders like fire at will or retreat and so on and so forth. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, it was one of those games that really stood out for me, and just I did not expect it. Shout out! Here's the crazy part: the dude who pulled me aside. This is something I noticed this year about this con in particular. Almost all the booths weren't just like devs. The people trying to shout you in and get you to play were fans, especially at the indie games. So really? the guy who got me to play this was like a fan of me. It was like, oh my god, Jesse, so nice to meet you check out my game. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll go look. Right. Cause I felt, I was like, Oh boy. Okay. And then I played it and was like, Holy shit, this is great actually. And that's something I noticed this year. It was not so much devs trying to get people to play games. It was really rabid fans of the games trying to get people to play games, which I thought was a great sales pitch because I'm sure they're way better expressing how excited they are for something. The devs who have seen it every day 
right. nonstop. They know all the back stuff. Like it was, it was a different kind of approach this year. I was pretty impressed by that. Mm, it's worth noting as well that a lot of these devs are maybe not the best salesmen for their own products. You know, they're yeah. they're good mm -hmm. designers. They're good. They're, being a good designer and being a good programmer doesn't translate necessarily to being a good salesman. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, thanks. It was thanks to uh, Gorilla Fence for the footage that we put in the background there of Tooth and Tail, which again it's currently still a sort of a very much alpha development. I thought cool. it was awesome. I don't know if you want to switch back to Force for a minute. Yeah, let's go. Let's go going. back to Quake Champions before, before we lose me again. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. Don't yeah. say that. Don't jinx it. Yeah. Why? While you're away, we talked a bit about uh, the 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 idea that like a you know what people want out of an arena shooter and that there's this sort of i want it to be like completely like quake 3 but also innovate and not be like quake 3 this sort of like impossible position that some people are putting them in but i just want to hear how it plays yeah so i'm in an interesting position the point that i was trying to get across was that i hadn't i haven't kept up with it in fact i never really spent a lot of time with original quake period when i was younger i wasn't a pc gamer because we just didn't have a pc in my home it wasn't yeah. until i went away to university in 2004 that i got my own laptop that's when i got into pc gaming so yeah i just i just thought it was like it was awesome it was a lot of fun it was it was really frantic gameplay um it, it's it, it looks to harken back to all that stuff you know there's no you got really tiny crosshair and you move it super fast and you're trying to hit shit while all that's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. There were jump pads. There was a ton of power-ups just all throughout the map. Very pickup um, orientated. Quake always has been uh, in multiplayer anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. Those little green things that are popping up. Those are like, well, like little health, health gains that you'll get after you Armor kill shards, somebody. Yeah. Um, a bunch of weapons. I think at, on, on the right-hand side, there was a list of like seven or eight, potential weapons that you could have at any given time uh and those would be pickups that you some of those would be pickups in the world some of them would be the starter weapon that you'd be uh you start with because they have I, I don't forget i don't know the name of it actually it's probably champions they have champions in this game and they're basically like different loadouts with different strengths and weaknesses as far as i could tell and the one that i played was kind of the generic soldier looking guy he almost to me looked like the doom guy and yeah the, he's the quake guy literally the quake guy. Yeah. okay so and he had this ability that i didn't read into it in detail i just used it and as far as i could tell you toss it out and if you hit another player with it you pull yourself towards them um and it might have done some damage as well people are gonna just correct all of this they're gonna fact check all of this i don't know i i played for 15 minutes i just know I loved the franticness of it. Um, I loved all of the crazy pickups and all of the variety and weapons, the mobility. I just had a lot of fun when I played it. That's all I know without, without getting into the nitty gritty specifics of all of it. So people, yeah. <laughs> people get me pissed that I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, it was fun. That's, that's all I have to say. It was, it was frantic. It was that's fast. That's what's important. Fun. Right? Yeah. And and, and again, that's coming from someone who has no experience with the, the reboots or even the original Quake really at all. So, hmm. um, And then beyond that, I did get a chance to check out um, Legends as well. It, <laughs> a couple of times during the uh, Elder Scrolls Legends we're talking about, which is the, the card game that they have. Yeah, that just like actually released yesterday. Yes, yesterday right? or the day before. Yeah, you can oh, now. They, wow, yeah, they, they've done it's out. Cool release. 
Okay. Yeah, you have to download the Bethesda launcher. Uh, so I think that's what they use for Elder Scrolls Online, Fallout Shelter, and now the mm. uh, Elder Scrolls Legends. Everyone's kind of getting their own launcher, which makes sense because they don't want to give Valve 30% of their revenue. You know? Yeah. They And those companies that are big enough to make it work, you know, it's why Blizzard never put their games on Steam. Because they know they they're a big enough brand that they can force people to use their platform instead, and they have full control over it. If you're a smaller game, you don't really want to be doing that. You know, you need the presence and the availability that Steam offers you. Yeah. So, th I mean, this was this was fun. I, I I'm a fan of card games. I grew up playing Magic. I spent a lot of time playing Hearthstone as well. Um, I, I really enjoy those games. I thought something that was interesting about this is that they have they have this lane mechanic for one where yes, you, you they put do. your you'll put your creatures in one of two lanes and right. only creatures in that same lane played by the other player will be able to interact with with those creatures yeah and the, something else different that they have was also the rune mechanic yeah i, I people are always going to draw parallels nowadays it's to hearthstone, hearthstone. um before Hearthstone existed, any new card game came out, people would compare it to like the Pokemon or Magic the Gathering. People just like to compare games to- what's, That was like, the best grand moment, so. grandpa moment you ever had. To compare it to the Pokemons. The Pokemons, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but it was fun, I, I liked it. Uh, very steeped in the Elder Scrolls universe. Um, it's funny, because I went from that, from the, the ESO to this, so it's just, <laughs> I just had like this big hour chunk of just being like soaked in Elder Scrolls. You ready for more Bear Boys? You ready? <laughs> yeah, you wanted all those Bear Boys. I get it. Exactly. Uh, you know, I think this this game has legs to stand on. I I, I think it has potential. I'm just curious. I I, I guess I'm I'm just gonna be curious to how how it plays out because I think besides Hearthstone, there's been a lot of digital card games that have come and gone. Uh, yeah, but it's nice. Years. It's nice to see card games come out that have a different take or like a different yeah. mechanic yeah. in there, you know, because so many of them are really straightforward. Like, here are my units, and now you put out your units. Attack yeah. the face. There <laughs> right? were, yeah, there was a bunch of those games that came out, and none of them really got any traction. I played a few of them. Yeah. And so what you had was companies that took a step back and said, right, why is it that people like Hearthstone? How can we take those elements, maybe improve on them, but also put our own spin on things. And Elder Scrolls Legends is definitely that, there's no doubt. Yeah. The lane mechanic alone is hugely different to anything that Hearthstone has to offer. But in terms of its play, it's very familiar. The whole drag the card onto the face kind of thing, it, the way that mana generates over time, that's very familiar. It, it's easy to get into. And then you realize the differences. That rune mechanic that you brought up is the one kind of big beef that I've got with the game, actually. Mm. It's called Prophecy. And once you take a certain amount of damage, one of the runes that you have in your characters breaks. And that causes you to draw a card. If that card has the word Prophecy on it, you get to play the card immediately for free. Right. And that's a big, swingy, kind of random mechanic. Because... Yeah. It can either that the, the prophecy can either be massively impactful and completely swing the game back in your favor, or just a tiny little bonus that really doesn't help you all that much. Yeah, and I think uh, to to the the point you guys were making about some of the differences or games trying to set themselves apart, I think Legends does suffer a bit from 
being very similar to Hearthstone and also being very similar to Magic, just in terms of its play and presentation. Like the moment to moment, you got your hand, you put a card down on your side, your attack towards your opponent, stuff like that. Um, lots of parallels. Whereas some of the other games, I know TB, I, you just did a video on how do you pronounce Faria. it? Faria. Yeah, I think um, it's Faria. I'm going to assume it's something like it's Faria or Faria. Like Faria. We're just going with Faria. So, it sounds like Faria to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, that game is totally different. That's like, right. it's ve- and, I mean, it's barely even a CCG. Like, I'd call it a collectible tactics game, actually. And there was an, another digital card game. I think it was called RuneScape Legends, maybe? Yep, Chronicle RuneScape Legends. Right. That's totally different as well. Ex- that, exactly. that game's great fun, by the way. It's super great. It's completely unique. I've so never seen full, anything like it. Full disclosure, I did play that game as part of a, a brand deal, but what I will say is that that's, they did something to set themselves apart, and I thought it was actually really cool. You had these little miniature figurines. You and your opponent had to play your cards to fight through your lanes. It was really interesting. Yeah, it's like a mini um, adventure. You were sort of going on a little pen and paper RPG adventure in parallel with the other dude, right. and you were trying to fuck with him as he did that, and it all culminates in this final battle at the end. It was right. it was really cool. Like I really liked that. And, yeah, and again, I, I saw some of the gameplay of Faria that you played, and, and that was quite different. But for all of its strengths, the Elder Scrolls Legends does play it safe for if you've played Magic, if you've played Hearthstone, you're going to figure this game out pretty darn quick. It's not going to throw you for much of a loop. Um, there's not much new things to learn, basically. Yeah, it's playing it. It's playing on strengths, which is like the strength of its IP and the mm-hmm. fact that it's Elder Scrolls. And it really went all out on that because they actually have a full single-player campaign with a story, which has real a ton of Elder Scrolls lore. And you also you build a deck as you go, and you up you can actually upgrade the cards and all that kind of thing. And that's right. fully playable for free. And I think they realized, look, the kind of people that really like Elder Scrolls, if we're going to get them to play a card game, which is a completely different genre, we got to put a story emphasis on it. And that's exactly what they did. And that story mode is pretty legit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was, that was good too. Overall, you know, I like legends. I really liked, um, I really liked quake champions. I had a great experience with that and more ESO is coming. So mm-hmm. I, I, there's, there's much more to it than I'm sure that I know. Cause I haven't looked into it much, but that's frankly, because I, I, just, <laughs> I can't be bothered. It's no. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in when it comes out and I'll check it out for maybe a couple of days. So yeah, yeah. we'll see. Jesse, you want to fire a couple more games at us before the break? Dude, I got you. Okay, so uh, I'm going to drop a Dodger one this time. So last time we had RTS. This time uh, it's a game called Moonlighter. Um, Okay. Moonlighter is a game where you play as an adventurer slash shop owner, hence you moonlighting, because during the day you run a shop and at night you go out and you get items for this shop. Uh, The art style is like super like cute pixely kind of art style. looking at essentially you are uh this like white-haired adventurer who uh goes off and all the items and all the shit you find in the tombs and the various places you go uh you collect and then you go back to your shop i figured this was like right up your alley you go back to your shop and then you craft or you can just take the items you found and throw them out for sale and then people will come into your shop and they all look like um like a uh, sort of spoofy adventurer characters. Like there's a, like a guy who's clearly Lonk, right? He's like, hey, I'm old man Link. And he goes in. It, it's something that's been done before, but it like- Resetia did that. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, it felt really, really polished and like like they took it to the next level a little bit. And um, I, I I super fell in love with it. And I think that uh, it uh, it's really cute and silly. So that's definitely a game to check out in the future. Um, cool. It's yeah, a Square Enix like- collective game, this one. So it's one of, <laughs> I'll never get over this. Like we're publishing indie games. Like you're what? Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. Those, it, you can't publish an indie game. It stops being an indie game if you publish it. Stop. <laughs> I don't get it. What? Speaking of which, this is so... God, fucking square. This is, speaking of which, another game that I really, really liked is also being on the collective, I guess. Um, it's a game called Children of Zodiacs. Uh, okay. It is a game that... I have no idea It's a game that... Sounds crazy, but somehow works really well. It is no, I was wrong. Part Final Fantasy Tactics, part card game, part dice game. Right. So the premise is that you are you are all these different characters that you can uh, change. Like there is no really class; they just have different weapons. So one character has a pistol, one character uses magic, one character has a, like knives and a dagger, one character has a shield and stuff. So you can like make them a tank and a range and all that stuff if you want to but there's no really class system and the whole premise is that you are um playing just like final fantasy tactics so you're moving your characters around the board in the squares and hitting them from behind or at an angle or whatever and then when you attack you're using a card that you that you have so you have a, a whole deck of cards and those cards uh do th- certain things so like let's say you have a card that uh does a ranged shot right you then on the card have like a bunch of different bonuses you can get to that card because each character has a built-in uh dice set that you can mess with uh you then roll to see if you can get those bonuses and the bonuses will do things like change that range shot to something that heals you or change that range shot to something that doesn't aoe or something like that so you can add uh, or like 20 percent more damage or whatever so you can add stuff to that and because everything's customized you can go back into the game and you can uh, customize your cards and you can customize the dice to the point where you can change around what different icons are on each die. So you can sort of like min max your characters and make like this one character is all star bonuses. And this one character is all extra damage bonuses. You can get, it's, it's super cool. It's really intricate, but somehow felt really easy to understand. And so I, and because it's Final Fantasy Tactics, like I was fucking in. So it looks uh, awesome. I like the art style a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm quite concerned about the dice element. Like I don't know if I like that level of RNG in my tactics games, that would probably bother me. Well, it lets you reroll. It lets you reroll two times. So, and you can select which dice you want to reroll. So you have the option to go in and be like, okay, well I rolled this. And because it's not, I think the way to tweak the RNG is that you can then take, um, some of the die that you've collected and some of the things you've collected over time and use it to craft new, better die to make it so that you can have one die where every single side is a star if you want. So you're like, here's my automatic stars. And so you can roll those. So over time as you play, you can make it so there's very little RNG. I think that's how they're going to balance that. But you're right. And it's in there a little bit, but they give it to you to the point where you can like fiddle with it and like get rid of it. I think that's kind of cool. Another game that uh i really really liked that is totally different in every possible way it's a vr game called kismet um it, it it's beautiful it is super interesting and it's not at all any kind of vr game that you would expect uh it is a vr game that is essentially 
a like a tarot card thing where you get a tarot card reading from this woman and you can do it every day and then it has like the kismet game in it as well you can play but it's like such a weird interesting idea that it's like this is just a really cute kind of not at all like i don't even know how to describe it i was just blown away okay (laughs) well when i first first typed it in i looked at the pictures i was like oh this looks like hand of fate it it is totally it looks like it is totally not that's what interested me at first as i saw it was like oh it's like a vr hand of fate oh it's not actually a game is it like uh, it yeah, is it's just a tarot it's an interactive like tarot card thing yeah mm. but then there's like an other level to it where you start playing like the what i guess it's considered the very first board game right it kismet oh. or whatever so you can play that as well but um yeah it's it's not i don't know that i necessarily call it a game but like an interactive experience it's an experience it's by one, the sounds of it yeah but it's one that changes every day because it all the information that's pumped into the game is based off location and weather and all the like astrological charts and all stuff and so if you're into the world of sort of tarot card reading and things like that i feel like this is kind of up your alley and it's an interesting non-game game that i think a lot of people who have vr right people don't use yeah. vr for much really it's niche of a niche of a niche that kind one of like a new thing to throw on there and it's something you can do every day if you want to and it doesn't last that long so yeah, it says um, it's a collection of three different activities, mm-hmm. a tarot card reading, astrology session, and the ancient board game, Ur. Yeah. And it's, mm. it's, it's literally just this, this incredibly interesting game that, uh, yeah, it was compelling. I think that's the best way to describe it is, is even though I'm definitely not like a person who buys into astrology or tarot cards or whatever, and I'm like, okay, whatever. I still felt really compelled by what was happening. And I was like, oh shit, okay. It was it was pretty interesting. And so I definitely think because it was so interesting and different that I, I want to throw it in the list of, of games that I played. Because it I mean it looks beautiful too. And when you're in VR, it actually like you kind of get involved. The cards flip up and they're like moving and shit. And you're like, oh, the devil who I'm bad. Right? <laughs> it, it, it's like, <laughs> I've I've never tested VR at a convention. I refuse to put those headsets on. I'm sorry, uh, you're a yeah. man, Jesse. That's how you get uh, pink you know eye. What? It was one of the first thing. It was one of the first things I don't worry. I, okay. I, <laughs> you played I'm it a, it was one of the first things I did. I was like, I figured it's got to be the cleanest at the moment right now. Day <laughs> one, nine a.m. Yeah. There you go. That's good. <laughs> Only one I was going to risk it for was Star Trek VR, and they, they, the lines. They, they didn't even have lines. They actually booked it out in advance. And you just, even if you showed up at the break of dawn, you couldn't get in for that. So that's supposed to be out within the next couple of months anyway. So I guess we just play it then. Dude, as I'm long in. as I see them wipe the whole thing down right before I put it on, it doesn't concern me that much. I don't know. I would want to see them like dump it in a, a tank of some solution or something. <laughs> yeah, there no you go. <laughs> uh, the last game that I think is definitely a stream game. Um, that I really like, I'm like I said, I'm trying to get all over the place here. It's a game called Samurai Zero. Um, yeah, I played this last year. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, Samurai Zero, it, you basically play a badass samurai. Wait a minute, is it uh, Samurai Zero or Katana Zero? Oh, I'm sorry, Katana Zero. I was going to say, out a minute. Yeah, is there a different game I didn't know about? Yeah, Katana, Katana Zero. Zero. Yeah, yeah, Katana Zero is the name of the game. And you are essentially a uh, like kick-ass assassin samurai dude, and you play through these different levels in a very, very similar way. Even though it's side-scrolling, you play in a very similar way to um, 
Hotline Miami, where like if you die, you have to restart. And so, uh, and then it does like the rewind because you're essentially watching videos of how you did. And depending on how you do in each level and who you kill or how you kill them, you get like ratings, like this was good, or this was bad, who you interact with, you have conversations with people, you can cut them off and be a dick, but it also affects things in that playthrough, like in the game. So uh, it, it's like next level. There's, there's one level where you have to break into a penthouse and kill a guy and the woman at the front desk, you can either like play along as she asks you questions, you can be like, shut up, I'm just going in. And if you tell her to shut up and piss off and you go in and kill everyone, when you come back out, she's called the police and the police are there. And now these guys with giant vests and shotguns are trying to kill you. And it's like, what the fuck did I do? And she's like, that's the one who did it. Get him. Yeah. Um, I remember us talking about this before, like uh, at the last convention or maybe the one before that. Yeah, it was it was the last it was either Pax West or Pax East. Like, I think we all uh, both of us got a chance to play this one. The, yeah, I, the the thing about the uh, the rewind awesome. thing, by the way, is uh, I can't remember exactly what the contrivance is, but either the playthrough is in universe you supposedly pla- either planning your attack or watching footage of your attack, but supposedly it's, it's there's both. It's both. Um, it's every level starts with you back at your house drinking tea, putting in a video cassette of you doing the mission, but when you're in the mission. It is the best way to describe it. It's like the Sherlock movies, uh, okay. where Robert Downey Jr. would like plan out and he'd just in a like monologue, the guy, and then he'd go back and really quickly do it. It's that kind of thing. So, and the game is so smooth and like I couldn't believe the controls, like how awesome they were. So this one really stood out for me, and I was like, holy shit! And I played it way too long. <laughs> I, yeah. I was there for a while playing that game, so it was it was something that really stood out for me as. It definitely seemed like if you're a streamer, this is like right up your alley. This is one of those games that you'll probably love. Mm. It seems like it's got, in fact, I've heard Colm saying that there was a certain subversive element to it as well, that those recordings of your attack may very well not actually be factual. And that there's some weird shit going on there. And as it the might, game progresses, it does get like, what's going it's on? It's drug related. Because yeah, right. the whole like bullet time thing is supposed to be drug induced, I believe, in the game. And mm-hmm. I f- believe the result of taking that drug actually starts to affect your perception. And yeah. you may very well believe that you did something and it actually was not that at all. So that's what really pushed me over the edge of being super intrigued by it. It is a really slick, fun game to play, but it's like, there's going to be some weird shit going down here, isn't there? Like, I'm I'm ready for some crazy stuff so i'm looking forward to that yeah there's one level where i had to escape and a bunch of guys were coming for me and there were laser grids that i had gotten through earlier and and so it was like okay well how do i use the laser grids against these guys and so i would stay in the back and just like turn on the laser grids as they're running under them like little things like that you aren't even using your samurai you're just using the level to mess with people yeah you can do that it's awesome it's a cool game yeah looks great looking forward to it should be out fairly soon that one it's been developing for a long long time i think it's like one yeah. guy behind it. it one or two anyway it, yeah yeah i think it's just like two dudes maybe three yeah ridiculous uh, there's something that looks that good and plays that smooth can be made by so few people mm. yeah man good stuff I believe it's a it's either a devolver or an adult swim it's one of the two i believe I publishing it. Swim, I yeah. yeah yeah which they nail it when it comes to games lately so yeah, I think those companies yeah. are competing to get the most dick hard games they can. <laughs> that's that's how it feels. Yeah, yeah. Like they're just like, what games can we have that will really stress out players? What really violent, super hard games can we get just to annoy the fuck out of everybody? 
Yeah, they've come a long way from pole dancing games, man. Indeed. <laughs> I figured it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was, what was the, the, well, the first one that Adult Swim did was what? Uh, Robot Unicorn Attack. Robot and, Unicorn Attack. And then they did uh, Super House wow. of Dead Ninjas, which was a fucking dick of a game. And then it all went downhill from there. It's just like, let's just get progressively harder and more evil. Hmm. Good to have an identity like that, no doubt. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, it all goes back to that fucking Viking. God damn you, Volgar. So, uh, yeah, those are the indie games that I played. I played a lot more, but I feel like that's that runs the gambit of what I really enjoyed. So, there you go. There's uh, one more game I'd like to hear about before the break, actually, that Force, you said you had played and you were super excited to have a look at, which was Dauntless. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that- yeah. How was Dauntless? So, I first, I heard about Dauntless just the in the swath of pax east please come to our appointment emails that i got the the weeks preceding mm-hmm. um this is the first time i heard about it and i looked it up and i was like oh a pc version of monster Hunter. i've always been really interested in something like that and we haven't really had anything that kind of lived up to that no so so dauntless is a character action game you go out with a group of um it's a group of four people yourself included and for the for the demo on the show floor they had classes or something along those lines but it's it's my understanding that you're going to make your character they'll be your character creator you can decide how they look and everything hairstyles all of that and each of the weapons in the game will be tied to a different uh different attack patterns, different combos, uh, different like specials, those like super charge up attacks and things of that nature. And the whole idea is you go out and you hunt these behemoths. That's the name that they're calling their monsters, their behemoths. Uh, the dev told me that they were shooting for, I believe he said around 30 of those at launch. So there'll be 30 different behemoths that are basically just like, they're like boss fights in, in an MMO. If you were to take like an action MMO, like a Terra game, for example, and just take all the boss fights and build an entire game around that, that's what Dauntless would be. Uh, the world is supposed to be one of these shattered worlds. I, I feel like we hear this, this setting a lot. The, mm, the, yeah. the world was like torn asunder by this elemental energy. Right. And there's a bunch of these floating islands and the behemoths are there to try to take that energy out of the world and you're there to try to stop them. So we didn't get to see the town, but what he told me was there's going to be a central hub area where you go there and you gather with your friends. There's going to be quest givers that you'll, you'll get reagents and you'll be able to do things like crafting there. Um, it's just going to be like a central hub city. I guess you could probably liken it to something like destiny's hub city, or I'm pretty sure I haven't played monster hunter games, but I'm pretty sure they have something akin to that as well. Right. They do. It, it, it's, it does seem like that. That's exactly where they're going with it. And, you know, making a, I, I would go as far as to say making a version of Monster Hunter that runs on hardware that isn't 10 years out of date, which right. is lovely. You know, remember <laughs> remember back in the day when Monster Hunter used to be on the current console and not on some tiny little Nintendo uh. thing? Wasn't that wasn't that lovely? Wasn't it nice when you could play it on a so, screen that I'm wasn't... I'm so overwhelmed that I'm crying. Oh, pl- <laughs> playing on a screen that's larger <laughs> than three inches. How How is this possible? Remember when it wasn't like on mobile phones and shit? That... That alone is a good enough reason, even if it was just, this is a monster on a clone, like, great, good, sure, bring it, bring it on. That sounds, that sounds like a great idea. So we, you start off in this, and actually TV, I think there's a new trailer that just came out. Yeah, the one I played is an old sort of trailer that I found. Let me get you that too. Um, So 
so you start off in the hub city and you're going to get together with your group of friends you'll do quest and then you'll go out to fight the behemoths and they're done in these like i said these floating islands these shards I'm not sure what the process will be from going to point A to point B. I'm assuming you'll just queue up and then you'll get dumped there. From what I could tell, that will be the case. Yeah. And you start off in one point of, of one of these floating islands, and then you have to find the behemoth. So people will go out in opposite directions looking for this, this creature. And we also start off with this flare item. So when you found it, you could shoot a flare up into the sky. The rest of your team would see you and they'd be able to come come to the location. And it's it, it's what you expect it to be. They're, they're these big creatures with these telegraphed attacks. Uh, the ones that we fought were relatively slow. The first one that we fought was this like owl kin looking creature. Yeah. And he had a swooping attack and he would he would like flutter his wings and a big gust of like tornado wind would move forward. And it's just all about finding your opportunity to attack your, your characters do not lock on to the monster. So you're moving your character freely in the world. And, and, and it's got the, the animation priority style of attack, like monster Hunter games do like dark souls games do where once you do a big swing, you're pretty much committed to that. So if you do it at the wrong time and the monster hits you, that's, you that's how you suffer that's your punishment basically uh so trying to find those opportune times for do attack but what i got from even just we fought two behemoths the two that we fought i thought were really uh, i thought they were really interesting the second one was this giant lizard looking creature who would summon walls of ice and he would like spin up like an armadillo and in his path uh i want to say like 30 or 40 foot tall like big walls of ice would form so you actually would be blocked from him and he would use that time to heal up and stuff they they had different phases like enrage phases when you got them to a certain point they would leave and go to another part of the island it's like a flea mechanic yeah so you'd have to hunt them again and what we didn't get to see in the demo that he said would be at launch was there'll be materials in the environment uh, resources for you to gather so that you could do crafting for making things and right. similar to, so to Monster Hunter and this, this style of game, you could chop off parts of the monsters and they would lose that and that could be turned into a weapon. Like they'll have, yeah. they'll have weapon and gear <clears throat> sets that you will farm right. them over and over again to try to get all of the pieces. So this uh, is all I've ever wanted, a Monster Hunter on PC. Like, yeah. I was gonna say, <laughs> you, you, I mean, you are just describing with this game. <laughs> Monster Hunter, yeah. that's, that's, all, that's all Monster Hunter is. And, it's totally fine that they're making a game like that, a sort of Western monster hunter that's on modern systems and is probably going to get, as a result, constant updates. Did they say whether or not it's going to be free to play? You know what? He didn't mention the business model. Um, what he did say was that they're, that they're targeting an open beta for later this year. Uh, so that should be coming, I'm, I'm guessing, in the late summer or fall time. And I, I'm very excited. I asked him a bit about progression and stuff. And he did say, you know, this is going to be a game about getting gear for your character and getting better. Yep. But the difficulty comes more so from the monster fights than it does from uh, from accumulating stats and, and making yourself overpowered, if you will. I didn't. He didn't clarify. I didn't get a sense of how difficulty is going to scale. Like if they're going to be looking at the gear you've acquired and scale the monster's damage and health accordingly, or if the right. behemoths are always going to do the same damage, the same attack patterns. Mm. Um, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because uh, you, you're kind of in a catch-22 when you build a game like that. If you adjust the monster's strength to the gear that you have, then you make the gear pointless because it's the exact same fight it, that it right. was when you had weaker stuff. You just look cooler. But if you go the other way 
then collecting gear makes the fights easier. So where do you get the challenge? Like the only real way to do it is like to have several tiers of that same boss, like heroic versions of it that scale up and that gear helps you get that. Uh, I mean, I suppose if it was a, you got to find that balance between if it's a pure skill-based game, like can I kill the scariest behemoth in the game with a stick and, you know, the basic cloth armor? Is that possible, or is right. it? Or is it? Is there a gear check of some level? And if there is a gear check, how much of a gear check is it going to turn into a big ass fucking grind as a result of that? Where's the balance to be struck? It's tricky. I yeah. I, I, I do not envy anyone that has to do that. But yeah, I, I do like the look of it though. It it's a great opportunity to do boss fighting again, raiding basically without any of the MMO bullshit attached to it. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely excited. My Oh, go ahead, Dodger. I was just going to say, I hope that they don't have, uh, like, gear sets and armor sets that you can buy, even though they're cosmetic. Like, one of the really, really fun things about those types of games is, like, grinding out, like, fighting these monsters and then making an armor set from that monster and being like, yeah, I defeated it, right? And if they just let you, like, buy them, then that defeats the purpose to me yeah it's it's that's an interesting argument if if the game is solely focused on the acquisition of really cool awesome looking gear then selling really cool awesome looking gear would take away from that for everybody i guess I, I, it depends if there's some big hub town where you can ride around showing off i suppose it i imagine there's an element of that incidentally by the way i believe that the website oh uh oh no not goddamn nosferatu or whatever it's <laughs> yeah. called that's yep. what it was called, right? We all know that. You're at it again. Oh man, this is this is great. So the camera has moved so that half of Jesse is in his and half of Jesse is in forces, but they're slightly out of alignment. So your face is all fucked up, more so than usual. It's gonna be the first time I've been told that. We're good. Oh my god. Oh dear. Well, anyway, yeah. Apparently, it is free to play now. They were very cagey about it. They that up until I think January of this year, they had an FAQ that said. We're not sure yet, but we're totally against pay for power, which makes sense. So now it is apparently apparently going to be a free to play game, and I I don't know about that. I actually would prefer this to be a pay to play game, and I think that obviously the risk of that is what if it dies off and there's nobody to play with. But since it's a PVE game, it seems like you'd only need to get a few people together really to to continue to play it, and then of course you stop running the risk of taking that business model and making it buy for power and buy really cool looking shit when the point is to acquire really cool looking shit uh, well and and like if if they do follow a monster hunter model there is fuck loads to do by yourself like i loved playing monster hunter by myself yeah so. th that's true i wonder how much emphasis they'll have because they 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 keep showing the trailers a group of four how right. much solo play will there be? Will they scale the monsters? Will there be a benefit to fighting it with multiple players? Because if they do scale the monsters to make it more difficult, then you might say to yourself, why the fuck didn't I just solo it then? You know, they've got to make both modes compelling and they've got to make the rewards for both compelling so that both play styles are acceptable. Mm. Tricky one. Tricky one. Yep. All right, well, we're going to take a break while we get forced back from the Nosferatu. In the meantime... Today's show is sponsored by Squarespace. At squarespace.com slash cooptional, you can sign up and get yourself 10% of your first purchase and a free trial for the... 
wonderful website service. I, I have an ad for you that may or may not sell you on it. it it's going to be quality. I can feel it. Oh, it, it always is. Yes. Yeah, so when have I ever done a bad ad? Never. 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 We'll be right back, folks. You're watching the Corruptional Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Hello, you small piles of lint, fluff, and assorted detritus. One might find on the floor after it's gone a little too long without a hoover jam storing here. Your favorite video game critic, and today I'm here to tell you about my new video game criticism website, The Jamquisition. After my old website was drowned in the tears of screeching fanboys, I decided it was time for an upgrade. A fresh coat of paint. At first I thought, hey, I'm far too busy to design a new website. Look at all these incredible green light games I have to review. There are just so many amazing titles there, it would be a disservice if I didn't look at them all, and that takes up all my free time. But then I discovered Squarespace. Squarespace let me design a website that's just as beautiful as I am, and let me tell you, that's pretty goddamn beautiful. I was able to set up the site in just minutes and select from a series of professionally designed templates that all look wonderful right off the bat. When I signed up at squarespace.com slash co-optional, I got a free trial and 10% off my first purchase. Since my previous website has been overrun with trolls and goblins, it's good to know that Squarespace is an all-in-one platform. It never needs to be updated and patched, and Squarespace keeps every site on its service up to date with the very latest security and DDoS protection. Just in case the next game I review doesn't get a perfect score. To be absolutely sure, however, I've instituted a new review scale, which starts with a 10 and ends with a 10. This means there is no risk that I will tank the score of a game on Metacritic again, so billion-dollar multinational corporate giants can rest easy once more. You can see my new system in action on the Jamquisition website, with my re-review of Waldo, Gasp of the Forest. Six paragraphs of apologies, along with a 20-minute video, which consists of me whipping my naked back until it bleeds using a flail made out of plastic Rosalina toys. Squarespace also features award-winning 24-7 customer support. I haven't really needed it so far since Squarespace just works and there really isn't anything to fix, but I did call them to provide emotional support after all the mean things people said on the internet. They were very nice. Why not create your own website by starting your free trial today at squarespace.com slash cooptional. You can get 10% off your first purchase and become the next great games critic. Just remember to make sure that you reaffirm the opinions of everyone who reads it, regardless of what they are. Praise the Lord, for it is me. Squarespace, create a website for whatever you'd like. Just as long as you like the same thing everyone else likes. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com slash cooptional. Get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. Get a unique domain, create a beautiful website, and give everything a perfect score so as not to upset anybody. That would just be terrible. Squarespace. Because everyone else deserves a 7 out of 10. At best. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the co-optional podcast. You just heard the Hello. sounds of hopes and dreams from the Undertale Determination album. If you want to go check that out... It is determination-ut.bandcamp.com for the whole thing. Determination.ut. That's dash ut. That is a terrible URL. I wish I could have come up with something better than that. Oh, Jesus. God. Uh, yeah, right. Okay, we're going to fix this. We're going to fix this goddamn thing right now. I'm going to get proactive. I'd 
told you, this is my new pragmatic. You're damn right I am. I'm gonna make it this. I'm be. I am having this new pragmatic approach to life, folks. Right. So yeah. rather than you having to remember this stupid fucking URL, <laughs> I have created a tiny URL for you, which is much easier to remember. So rather right. than going to determination-ud.bandcamp.com, which nobody can remember, go to tinyurl.com slash good fucking album. That's tinyurl.com slash good fucking album in order to access that page. Now, is it a good fucking album or is it a good fucking album? I I mean, it it depends on your point of view, who you're with, what you're into. It's up to you. No judgments. I had to. This nor'easter has changed you, man. It has. You've been with the Nosferatu now, and you've just got a fundamentally different view on healthy sexual conduct. Indeed. Oh, man. Okay. All right, let's get back to it, shall we? So... Since this uh, first hour of the show has been dominated by Pax Talk, uh, now is the time when you guys get to sit around and do nothing or maybe contribute slightly to the show. I might disappear again, so that's... Ah, that's entirely possible, yes. We know the Nosferatu is out to get you. We get it. All right. (laughs) We'll talk about some of the other games that we've been playing this week. Can I start with a little bit of Nier Automata? Oh, yeah. I can talk a little bit about that, too. Yeah. And talk, talk a little bit about that. It's out, I believe, tomorrow on PC. So most of what I'm going to be doing with it, I'm kind of saving for that. Uh, yeah, I'm doing It just the same makes thing. sense. Yeah, it was just like I should probably do a playthrough on PS, and I'm like, ah. but from what I've heard, you're supposed to do multiple playthroughs. So if I do that, when I get the PC version, I'm going to have to do the same fucking thing again to get back to where I am. So I played like the first hour of it, and. It, it was enough for me to get like an initial impression of it, and I'm just gonna wait till tomorrow for the PC version and just play the rest there. But I gotta admit, like I am liking it a lot so far. I did expect to. I like the near universe. Mm-hmm. It's not you don't necessarily have to have played that game to get anything out of it, as it were. But I don't think so either. No, I don't think you need to know anything about near in order to really enjoy near automata. <laughs> No, no, I don't. I think you. I think you're totally right there. But if you're into character action games, spectacle fighters, then this feels platinum, no doubt about it. You've got that lovely, satisfying sort of slight slowdown effect when you do a perfect dodge. When you get hit by a really big attack, the game freezes for a second. Just to really, I suppose the best way to describe it is just to really sort of lay into you that you fucked up. It's like, yeah. look upon your failures and despair, you fucking casual, is what that game does to you. But what was really weird to me, and apparently there's a lot more weird stuff going on because the game opens up into a sort of open world segment later on that literally has a fishing mini game and shit. So yeah, that game is very strange in that respect. But in the first hour... I experienced a bunch of different weird camera perspectives and some shmup stuff. Like, the game turns into a shmup every once in a while. Yep, In fact, sure the, the whole game has a shmup element to it because you've got this thing that accompanies you called a pod, and mm-hmm. you can hold down the fire button, and it sort of acts like a little drone in a classic shoot-em-up wood, and it just helps you do damage and attack things at a range. But there are literal shmup bits in the game. In fact, I think that's the first part of the game as soon as you get into it, you're in a 2D shoot 'em up. Hmm. And you're flying this like little flight vehicle or flight suit or whatever. And it changes perspective from 
2D to behind the shoulder at one point. And then you, even in the on-foot sections, which seem to be the majority of the game, every now and again, it'll switch perspective. It'll go uh, full above your head and turn it into a sort of isometric game. It'll go side-scrolling. And it'll do that That was one of the coolest things about it when I was playing it, I thought. That, like, depending on where you were, the perspective was totally different, and it was so seamless. Yes, it is completely seamless. It, It was a bit, I wouldn't call it jarring per se, but there's definitely perspectives that I like more than others. And mm-hmm. the, the the only real beef I've got with the game so far is that I don't really like the shoot 'em up segments. Like, I don't really think they add much to the game. They they remind me of turret sections in FPS that are like just little fillers to sort of break up the monotony. Because they're so simple, at least early on in the game, maybe they get fleshed out later. Because they're so simple, I'm just like, why is this here? I'd rather be doing the the regular fighting than this. Uh, I've like I liked um with with what we played um I really liked how boss fights can go from like I'm doing combos with my cool sword into oh it's a bullet hell now like yeah. I I liked that it was constantly like changing between those things and sometimes you were in a mech or a ship and like I liked that stuff a we lot. get it it's your new waifu Jesse no I'm sure I'll be they very upset but I want to point out <laughs> For the record, this art book that came with the collector's edition has the funniest. So it has quotes in it that I think are supposed to be about like the world. And one of them is just perfect. It is, ah, oh, yes, redheads. They never came back in the end. But be honest, you're relieved too, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's one of the quotes. They, <laughs> the de- please bear in mind, the dev of this game doesn't give a fuck. Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe in a recent interview where I was asked, like, why, why is the main character wearing high heels? He's like, I like pretty girls. I'm like, <laughs> it's like, okay, uh, uh, that's very straightforward. Doesn't the creator show up to pretty much every press conference wearing a giant mask, too? Yes. He, he, yeah. That mask, by the way, and I have the, like, there's my copy uh, near that I got for PlayStation. Uh, and the first, like, printing of them is a day one edition. The machine mask, if you look very closely there. The machine it, mask, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a cosmetic that's in the game. And huh. so that, that's, a, that's a real thing that was in the uh, in the first Nia had that as well. So right. he, he's got some very interesting quotes. Like, I think he was interviewed at one point. He's like, yeah, I'll do anything as long as I get paid. He's like, he's very, very straightforward about what he, what he believes. Uh, yeah. I can kind of respect that. But the character design it, it is really slick and cool. And also, I have to say... If you like uh, sexy bishy boys, the game's got plenty of that as Yo, well. Plenty it, of those in there too. There's <laughs> a lot of sexy robots in that game. All I'm saying, yeah. you know, there's a sexy robot for everybody. In Let's that be real. Game. When you're oh, yeah. not creating sexy robots, if you had to make a robot, you make that robot sexy. Facts. <laughs> Absolutely. Facts. Yeah. He's uh, he's bonkers, and I love him for that. But most of the game, I'm definitely enjoying so far. There was that interesting little thing that I noticed, and I'm intrigued as to your guys' opinion on this because mm. it harkens back to something that happened a good few years ago, a really ugly, nasty controversy. You remember the whole Jennifer Helper thing with Dragon Age a while ago? So there was this huge fucking stupid fucking blow-up where one of the people that were working for Bioware called uh, Jennifer Helper made the remark that she would like to see games basically have a feature that took out all the combat and just let you sort of do the story. And the internet being the internet fucking blew up over this. 
and right. said that this was terrible and went and insulted this person and harassed her because the internet's terrible. But the point that she made, I uh, pretty much always believed is is valid, at least with single player games, in the sense that that would be a kind of neat option for those that either getting stuck a part of the game so they can't progress. If they don't want the challenge, they don't have to. And it's not like we don't already have this. We have difficulty levels in games already. And of course, we have the ability to watch a game via YouTube. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because Nier Automata, in its easy mode, allows you to install auto-combat chips hmm. in your character, which hey. basically does a lot of the fighting for you. And I'm interested to hear your guys' take on including that in a game. Is that is do you view, view that as a, a good product feature, a bad product feature, what? I mean, it it lets more people experience the game, right? Yeah, isn't that what it's about? It's, it's not, like yeah, it being inclusive enough to like everyone can play the game, and it's not saying well because you suck at X, you can't enjoy this. I think that uh, it doesn't hurt the other players in any way no it doesn't well, let, let's not I pretend did. that every video game community is about inclusivity and people well, wanting no. people to join their well, community you know i think, I think specifically like platinum games have really interesting combat right like the the combat in this game um is is kind of difficult and it has a lot to it and in order to be like actually good at it, even even on easy mode, to be actually like good at it takes a lot of effort, right? And I don't think that it's going to be the sort of game that everybody's going to pick up and go, yeah, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So like for those of us who en enjoy the feel of playing it, cool, we can we can play it. But anybody who likes the look of the game and wants to know what happens and wants to like do all of these quests and stuff and like find out lore or whatever they have an option to be able to do that even though they fucking like suck at the combat they won't have to deal with that constant frustration yeah mm. and it's worth bearing in mind by the way this is not the first time platinum has done something like this bayonetta included a, basically an auto combo mode that was like mm. just bash buttons and it'll do all this really complicated stuff that you I, can't do i use that sometimes yeah, yeah. <laughs> why not and village you know and there's a couple of different like attitudes to deal with the first one being the whole get good thing which is a fucking meme frankly but the attitude being, at least initially with it, get good is not a, and some people have argued that it is, is not an exclusionary term. It's an answer to people that blame the game design for their personal faults. Yes. That's what get good started off as. If people are using it as gate, as a as to be a fucking gatekeeper or using it to exclude people, they're fucking assholes and they're using it incorrectly anyway. The point is that Dark Souls is a fair game, so don't fucking complain about it, just get better. Learn the game. The mechanics are designed and the levels and enemies are designed to be fair. So you don't get to use Get Good. And I actually ran into this very same attitude with Desync, which we'll talk about in a little bit where somebody complained about desync being too hard in the forums. And guess what the response was? Get good, get good, get good, get good. No, that game's actually unfair in places. That game has some design flaws which make it unnecessarily challenging in some areas. A lot of it's fair, some of it isn't. And I tried to break that down in my video. So fuck this get good thing as a gatekeeping idea. And especially when dealing with a single player game where there's no competitive nature to it whatsoever. The other question being, 
well, wh why would you play a game if you if there's no challenge? Because not everybody plays games in the same way. If you yeah. want to just experience the story, okay, that doesn't affect me. Like I think that attitude's ridiculous, but that's not. I don't. You're not even forcing it on me. You're not forcing yeah. me to do that. Right. I can just play the game normally as long as your easy difficulty mode doesn't somehow affect the rest of the game's difficulty modes. Fucking put it in. Put an autoplay option in every fucking game. Do it. Right. Every single player game. Just fucking do it. Why not? It, Let it's, other it's people do it. The game is though, right? It, it, if you're looking at Dark Souls, the experience is defeating the bosses that are challenging, right? Yes. It's, yes. The story is picked up by items. And then, like it's not a, a story-driven game, right? Yeah. Uh, a game like if if you go back to Dragon Age, like we were talking about, or you go to Automata. If those are games that are story-driven games, people are like, well, it's based on a story. We want you to see the story. Giving people who aren't like highly skilled at games the option to experience the story, I think is a fair thing to do and shouldn't be looked at as like, oh, they're ruining the game. No, that game's a story-based game. Uh, some games are combat-based games. Some games are like you're puzzling through shit. Like you're allowed I, to- I'd love that for puzzle games with, that were story-driven because yeah. I'm fucking, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I would, I would love to, I would love that. There's, I, 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 I would have loved that for the Talos principle because apparently that's super interesting, but it's like, I am too stupid for this. I can't. Um, the more recent Sherlock Holmes games, pretty much after you've done a puzzle twice, it'll be like, if you want to skip this, that's cool. And it won't like negatively affect your game. Like that's fine. Even ones where, you know, there's a difference between winning and losing. Like, if you say you want to skip it, it'll just assume you won and be like, "Yay, you won! You did it!" <laughs> right? That's yeah. nice, although wholly unsatisfying, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it is for some people. You know, there'd be no satisfaction for me in that. But here's the thing: there's a proven market for this. I, mm -hmm. it, it, if you're going to bring up the whole opportunity cost idea and that obviously this takes dev time you're right but there's a proven market for people that want to just experience the story or maybe just look at the game and that is proven by the existence and popularity of let's play and streaming there is a huge market for people that just want to passively experience the game and that is totally fucking fine especially older gamers that's uh, they they you know sometimes they're like i don't have time to invest 20 hours in getting good at this. I want to play the game, but I want to do it my way. And real talk, uh, going back several years now to when uh, LA Noir came out, that game had a mechanic where you just pressed the button and it automatically took you places. When my mom found that shit out, she loved that game. <laughs> play the mystery part and the investigation part without having to do all the driving around bullshit and all the like right. extra And the crap. combat, because actually the combat and the driving that game was it's shit. terrible. Like, it's, yeah. it's good that you can skip that because it's bad. Like, and she just press a button and skip it and then she'd be back to the thing she loved and it was the story. So like, it's one of those things where having the option there, it, you open up gaming to a lot more people. I'm just putting it out there. And that, yeah. that doesn't hurt, you know. There's not, it wouldn't work in every game. Obviously, we're talking about single-player story-driven games that have a fairly clear separation between gameplay and storytelling. If I go, go, let's go back to Brothers again, going back to Brothers again, my favorite example. There are so many parts of that game where if you're just to watch it, you wouldn't experience the full emotional range of what that game has to offer because it ties storytelling and gameplay together in such a sublime way. The thing is, those right. games are so rare. Like yeah. they, they really are. And honestly, Brothers isn't even hard. 
Like, it's not actually designed to be a difficult game. It's the same with Journey. It's like, unless you're... I think the only people that really couldn't beat those games are people that actually have disabilities. They would probably struggle. And there, by the way, is another reason for maybe including those modes, you know, where giving yeah. access to, to those sort of people. And also, even if you're a, even if you're a core gamer, there is, don't lie to me and say that at no point during your gaming career, if you want to call that, have you ever run into a part of a game that you got stuck on and you're just like, I just want to get past this because I want to keep going. I want to see the rest yep. of the game. And you're just like, fuck, this is annoying. I, I, you don't yeah. even feel the satisfaction of beating it because you're so pissed off. I, it, I imagine that uh, with desync, considering that I gave a stat in the video, it's probably gone up since then. Only 16% of players for desync have beat the first boss. So yeah. that I haven't. Yeah, 83% <laughs> of people that bought that game haven't even got past the first fucking boss. Like they barely scratched the surface. There, there's a very strong argument to be made for these sort of autoplay options. And they're even integrated into hardcore games for God's sake, for other reasons. Like you play the Total War games, that does auto battle. Are you suddenly a filthy casual? You're not doing all the battles yourself? You're not being a Supreme Commander and making sure that you get optimal kill ratios on the battlefield? my lord no fuck <laughs> fuck that uh, or, there's a reason like that game respects your fucking time by not forcing you to every bullshit battle in the universe you know there's so Dude, many I feel good like reasons be a very good grand vizier i think so yeah you need uh, like a staff with a serpent on it and a big hat yeah. you'd be a you'd be jafar you're basically jafar is what we're saying yeah i i, I could totally have that like i said i way less creepy you know what kind of all the arguments I've seen against this idea are just sort of gatekeeping, in my opinion. That I, I just, even the people who sort of had a bit of a point, saying, "Well, you know, it may, it may negatively affect game design further, further down the line." It, yeah, may. That's a, that's a weird, ass slippery slope thing. That's a, it's conjecture. I don't think that that makes any kind of sense. We're currently in a video game climate where it's perfectly acceptable to make an experience where you walk around a house. Yes. And it's just as likely that you're going to scroll through new game releases and find a game that's like, this is three times harder than Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah. And they'll both sell great. We I literally have all of that and more besides. Any sense. We have so much choice in that respect. And as I said before, me being, you know, I'm a consumer advocate. I advocate for consumer choice. And that includes shit like difficulty modes in games. And I, I pushed for it in desync as well. And it's like, get good, get good. Nope. That game is unfair. That game has design flaws. You know, I will no, not I, get good, sir. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, it's that's that's bollocks. And even if some things are my fault, it's like, so? Like, okay, oh no, I'm not the perfect gamer and sometimes I make mistakes. Wow. I mean, I'm glad that everyone else is, everyone else is amazing though. You know, all those guys that don't stream and never post their gameplay or any evidence ever, they're amazing at the game and they never make mistakes and you're just a fucking casual. You should just be like us. We're perfect in every way. Mm. We're robots designed for perfect gameplay. I believe it. Yeah, right. Get good. I had someone, I had <laughs> I like someone the said there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get good. <laughs> So, such such an annoying misinterpretation and like hijacking of that word you know yeah it's like it's not even like i don't think those soul my experience with the souls community in general isn't that they're not they're not like some fucking giant gatekeeping bunch of elite assholes for the most part they're welcoming they just have the same attitude towards people that complain about the game 
because they already know through their experience and because everybody has played it so many times and that game has been deconstructed to death that the game is basically fair. So if you are complaining about it, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the one who's bad and they'll help you if you if you show you're willing yeah. to be helped. That's the thing is like, I I totally agree. I feel like the Souls community is fully willing to help you with a boss, help you understand mechanics. Um, they want you to understand all of the cool lore. They want you to look at all of the items that have the best lore. You know, they really love it and they want to share it. But when people show up and are like, but this game is really hard. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> mm, it's like, well, yeah, that's kind of the point, you know, and so on and so forth. And, you know, we'll, we'll help you, but you got you to gotta do it yourself. They want to share the same sense of accomplishment that they got from overcoming those challenges it's true they want you to be that's not gatekeeping that's the exact opposite of gatekeeping they want to include you in their joy they want to share that joy with you but they know what's required to get there yeah so it's almost like tough love in a way it's saying look seriously the only way you're going to be able to share this same joy that we have is if you get good but so no it's not it's not gatekeeping at all the joy in games comes from like what particular game that is. And I think mm-hmm. in Dark Souls case, the joy is the struggle to be the struggle. Like, the idea of struggle is tied to the whole thing. You know, yeah. the whole thing yeah. is that the whole game is dismal and miserable and strife ridden because that's the whole theme of it. Everything ties in story, law, world, level design, aesthetic, every and gameplay all tie together to make this one particular whole. And that theme is despair, you know, and misery and the conquering of said despair and misery. You know? But even when you do conquer it, it doesn't mean you won. That's you know, that's Dark Souls in a nutshell. It's like, oh, you thought you won? Nah, everything's fucked anyway. You know, it, so the... Uh, you know, that's just the way that it's designed. And maybe Dark Souls is one of those games where an autoplay wouldn't be a great idea. But, I mean, really, even if it did, I, th- I think the, here's the, I guess the argument against autoplay for Dark Souls is that it would show how to beat a fight and that would spoil it for some people. Right. Um, also, what else is there to do but fight in Dark Souls? Exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's totally. It's like a puzzle game. What else would there be to do besides solve the puzzles? The joy is the solving of the puzzles. And so like it's when it's when games have a lot of story to deliver to you. And the right? joy is the story and the twists and the turns of the story, then that's a good use to be like, here, play the story. Don't worry about the, the other shit in the game, because that's what we're selling you. Yeah. Right? It's when you get to like a Think of like Portal, like when you make your puzzle example, think of Portal, uh, me being a moron, I didn't beat Portal 2. I did beat the first one because it was kind of short, but I didn't beat Portal 2 because I was bad. But there's a lot of story and a lot of really cool shit in that game. So I watched the rest of it and mm-hmm. I probably didn't get the same experience as everybody else because I didn't play all of it. But th- the problem was my stupidity was preventing me from getting the getting through the rest of it. So I was like, well, I got two choices really, because I'm too annoyed and frustrated to continue with this. I either get most of the experience by watching, or I just don't get any of it. Right. It was um, okay. uh, Charlie Brooker, I think, like, uh, or some, somebody on his show, Gameswipe, made that big remark about, like, games are so weird. Like, you don't watch a movie, and then halfway through it stops the movie to make you take a written test to ensure that you followed the plot so far, so you get to watch <laughs> the rest of it. And if you don't pass the test, you don't get to see the rest of it. Like, games are very unique in that way. You know, it's funny because this whole conversation, I was going to say this uh, earlier on, that I wonder with this discussion, if there's like room in the market for these 
video games cost much more than movies. So if there are people who want to experience games just for the story, I wonder if there's room for reduced price versions of games that are just the story. So you kind of, you watch it like a movie because you could argue that you lose some of the value of what a game is by not playing it, by just watching it. So if we get these automated experiences or basically just cutscenes stitched together. There's one example of that actually existing. Uh, hmm. I was just thinking it's like, I mean, it's a very difficult thing to, to if you if you were to actually make it a game, that, that means you make it two entirely different versions of games. That would be hugely complex, I imagine. But that whole cutscene thing happened when I bought um, the Kingdom Hearts collection for PS3. There are, um, I was, because I didn't know fuck all about Kingdom Hearts. I still don't, by the way. I played some of that game and thought it wasn't for me. No, but makes sense. Don't worry about it. On the, on the disc for one of the collections, there is just a cutscene only version of one of the other games. You don't hmm. get the full thing, but you do get all the cutscenes. You actually just get to watch the story, as it were. So there and, is a commercial example of that existing. It's just a bit of an odd one. And real talk, if you do a search of any game, and you do, you go to YouTube and you, let's say you go to uh, Nier Automata, the movie. If you look that up, someone has already gone, played through the whole game and just uploaded yeah. all the the cutscenes or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know all that stuff's going to already be on no, the No, but I'm, but I'm saying like the market's there. The like, market's right. there. So why not take advantage of it? Why not make it official? People are already yeah. obviously consuming that anyway. So. Right. It make it official and you can maybe you can sell a few extra copies instead of somebody going watching your game for free on youtube you convince them to buy it because it has that mode because they know they're not going to get stopped from seeing everything and that's i know a, a lot I, of us are going to look I, at it as weird it's like because we're gamers like we, but yeah. you got to understand that one we, we're getting older i have less time for bullshit than i used to i'm getting slower and now, eventually, when I'm like 50 or 60, I'm probably not going to be able to play Quake or anything like that. One of the reflexes for it. My eyes will be oh, fucked you'll up. You'll have robot arms by then. Can we yeah, talk about true. this for a second? Uh, listen, I've been talking about this the past <laughs> couple of weeks, and I have people that, refu- that refuse or uh, refute the fact that as you get older, your reaction type slows down. That's bullshit. I mean, the studies have already mind. been done. It Those... boggles. Like, but the people who are doing that are like 22. Yeah, I know. Well, that's that's what I'm thinking. Like, how could you make that argument? You're you're you you mean to tell me that like a not let's take it to the extreme that a 90 year old is going to have the same reaction type as a 20 year old? Obviously not. So scientifically false. There's a progression. There's a scale that as you get, I just I just get so frustrated because I was talking. I talked. I brought this up at one point in a video the past few weeks about how you know I'm getting into my 30s. I'm not quite as good as I was in my late teens and early 20s. That people like there's no truth behind the fact that reaction time slows down when you get older i'm like bullshit (laughs) they not only did they do have they done studies on reaction time but they've even got as far as those studies on fucking gaming reaction time they came up with the optimal age to be a starcraft pro gamer for god's sake what was it uh <laughs> let me find out uh 13 they, <laughs> starcraft yeah, 2 study say 15 or 16 reveals how quickly the game ages this is from 2014 like this thing already exists there was new re- there was research done on it i just clicked daily dot and the fucking article isn't there what the hell are they doing they just put a picture up this isn't helpful good. I, this, good. I like you this know why, you know why it's important then to have the discussion to think about the easier aspects of games because as we've said numerous times the there average is in the 30s yeah i found it 
he's 33, I think. What's the, yeah. what's the age, TB? All right, here's some information. So an example was given from the study. A typical bronze player at the age of 39, equal in all other respects to 24-year-old adversary, can be expected to be around 150 milliseconds slower in their typical looking, doing latencies. That is... Recognize something on the screen with your eyes and then translate that into an action, uh, costing about 30 seconds over a typical 15-minute Bronze League game containing 200 looking doing cycles. That's Bronze League, as in that's about 10 times slower than a pro-level gamer. Yeah. So the effect is massive. And that's not even to mention the damage that can be done to your fucking wrists when when you play uh, games and all sorts of things like that. And I believe that... Their idea is that as StarCraft 2 players reach and pass 24, their cognitive motor skills start to fade. And like people will point to certain professional gamers and whatever game that are like 30 or 40. I'm like, oh yes, there's always going to be outliers. There'll always be an outlier. Depending on your health, how you take care of yourself and just personal Whether you play Protoss, you know, if you're you're Terran, you're retiring at 24 because your wrists exploded. But if you're playing Protoss, you can get well into your 60s. Totally fine. Exactly. But like, yeah, there'll be examples of people who are still good. I'm not, no one's ever saying you can't be good at games in your 30s and your 40s and your 50s, but you're not going to be as good as you would have potentially been in your early 20s. If you you can make up for some of that with experience but you know uh, i think the best examples may be uh who who is he what's his name uh old man fear old man fear in dota you know one of the oldest dota players uh, you know he if he had the same level of experience at a much younger age he'd probably be the best dota player in the world because he'd have the combination of the speed and the experience and right. uh, i think he recently retired if i recall correctly i don't follow the dota pro scene that much but he was playing older than most people and he was doing really well but it's like wow imagine you know all of that experience that he's gathered with the reaction times of a 20 year old right can i add something that was kind of cool um sam and i were watching a smash tournament i can't remember which one it was it was while we were moving we had it on as just like background noise while we were moving stuff around and they had a whole segment that they did in the middle of this tournament where like a registered nurse came out and showed everybody wrist exercises Mm -hmm. and we were like that's pretty awesome she was like specifically for this type of game you're gonna want to you know every round or so you're gonna want to do a little bit of this and then after you've done like five or six rounds you know maybe like get up and stretch and like do a little bit of this with your wrists and we were like that's actually pretty awesome that they're doing that because they're you know they're acknowledging that everybody has these super wrists if they're in these tournaments i mean i I can already feel the grim reaper that is arthritis creeping (laughs) in on a daily basis i'm not gonna lie like (laughs) there's i mean i I can give you a real world example of that in action you know the the team captain of my uh korean esports team back when we still ran it crank has severe neck and back problems as a result of pro gaming and he's had to have surgery he's even now had to he's trying to get a desktop mic because it's the headset even just a regular headset puts enough pressure on his neck to cause pain Oh and, God, poor dude. And he's a Protoss player. I mean, what's, if you, uh, the, you know, Protoss being like <laughs> the lowest back, APM back race in the game. Protoss. Shade, 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 <laughs> Protoss. But if you, uh, the amount of, uh, the, the so-called Terran exploding wrist syndrome is a real thing. The amount of pro Terran players in Korea that have had to have wrist surgery is insane. The mm. ratio is bonkers. Like it's, it's the highest ratio of any career 
in Korea. Like, yeah. they get more wrist surgery than pro badminton players, for fuck's sake. And they're yeah. in their 20s. Like, Crank's no, not I, even 30. He's like 25 or something. Social experiment. Uh, who's like, like, faker? Follow him for the next four years. See where he goes. See his career trajectory. Because that's kind of like he's 20 or 21 right now. Follow that dude. He's best in the world. See what happens as he ages. Like, that's just how life, fake, y'all. Anyway. That's how it works. Uh, yeah, I, I, I almost feel bad. I feel like this he's is only 20. That, wow. <clears throat> that, like, we shouldn't be – because I feel like people who are saying this are either people in their 30s who still want to be pros desperately, so they're arguing that nothing's affecting them, or really young people who just don't understand – because they're they haven't even started. You aging. feel invincible. They're still, they're, they're still growing, you know. Yeah, I mean? you don't know what it feels like. You, you your shit starts to break down. You have to start <laughs> to get up in the middle of the night to pee, you know. And that's going to happen to you <laughs> earlier than you think. Fuck. Earlier I, than you I, think. I mean, I remember no, when no, I was a teenager. Like as a it's teenager, I didn't care when I broke bones skateboarding, snowboarding. Nowadays, I'm like, if I break a bone, I'm fucked. Like, yeah. <laughs> I do not want it to happen. It's like just just turn off the machines if I'm in yeah. hospital. Just just let me go. <laughs> I, I'm I'm too far gone. Oh, it's getting macabre. But yes, uh, that I suppose that was just a conversation that came out of that. But yeah, like fuck gatekeeping. <laughs> yeah, I think that that yeah. was yeah, overall, about, basically. Feel. Yeah. yeah, and and good on Platinum once again for giving options because that game also has a super hard you die in one hit mode as well. So it appeals to yeah, it does both sides of the spectrum, as far as I'm concerned, and that means a Even good product. In a tutorial. Yep. Oof. Hey, I got my I I played it on hard and got my ass handed to me and realized actually I'm not as good at Platinum games as I thought I was. I should play normal. As <laughs> I'm just burning through small health, small health, small health. Like oh god, I'm bad. What happened? <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Okay, uh, let's move on. Uh, Dodger, you been playing anything? I played uh, that Bad Dream Coma game. All right, tell I, me. Uh, let's go so on did that. I. Yeah. Really? Yeah. How, far did, how far did you get in it, Jesse? Uh, I need to continue playing it on stream, but for Fan Friday, I got to Chapter 3, I believe. Okay. I I'm, beat I'm it. curious if you ended up going the same path I did. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, so this game, uh, I think it's a Swedish. I think it's a Swedish game or a Polish game. I'm so sorry, guys. I can't remember which one. But um, I would say Polish, I believe. The idea of the game is that you are trapped in a dream, and so is everybody else who's in this town with you. Um, you walk around and you see people who are literally just like heads. You see people with their guts hanging out, like all kinds of like really, you know, really crazy stuff. And it's explained to you that the only way to escape this dream is to die. But no one has been able to die for a while. Like no matter what happens to them, they just won't die. So the hospital is like overrun with people because everybody has these like horrible wounds that should have killed them, but they're they're just living with pain because they can't die. Well, this sounds peachy. <laughs> yeah. So your uh, you basically go on a on a journey in this town um, to figure out what happened to death is like the whole concept of the game. Um, you find out real fast that the game does care whether or not you're a good person. Um, Within moment one. Moment one, I locked one of the endings. Did you punch a crow? <laughs> the minute I started the game, I was like, oh shit, you can like 
punch a crow? What's that do? Punched it, and then if you go to your status, it's like good ending, blocked off. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. So it like tracks whether or not you do good things or bad things. Um, there's a you were a perfect person ending, there's a you were an evil person ending, and there's a you were just a dude sort of ending and i got the you were just a dude ending it's very difficult to get the good ending i i think you would have to have like a cheat like a cheat sheet with you to know which things are are gonna like the worst part is is the more bad you are the easier it is to do bad options so i was doing things that was like trying my hardest not to hurt people and still brutalizing people it's like no oh god that's not what i wanted to do and guys are like dead and bleeding i'm like oh no <laughs> that was like the experience um, but the game does it it winds up mattering a lot at the end which direction you went like it's it matters to the story it doesn't just matter to you like it actually affects um like what's going on in the game so i appreciated that there are definitely moments in that game where i was like what <laughs> like what's going on but yeah. overall the way that it played and and the sort of like interesting ways that it made you play the game was really cool yeah it's it has it has that uh vibe somewhere between rusty lake and the cat lady and uh yeah like all those different like really bizarre games that are just we made a game to weird you out it's not necessarily scary but it's like what the shit is happening right now yeah it's not scary it's definitely not a scary game there are a couple of moments where it tries to like make you jump but the the thing that it uses to make you jump you're like (sighs) you know it's not like a scary thing you're just like fuck (laughs) right right you're like oh i can't believe that just happened (laughs) yeah exactly so Mm -hmm. um yeah i i enjoyed it i enjoyed it quite a bit oh you got the okay ending i got the you were right ending (laughs) um but at at the end i was going man i really enjoyed i really enjoyed the like point and click elements of that game i thought that a lot of that was really unique um, and apparently this is just like Rusty Lake where there are lots of bad dream games. Yeah, someone Damn. told me that this is not the first game. Yeah, we there are other bad dream games. We're late to the party on all of these. We I know, what out. the fuck? God. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was the the story overall that made me go, huh? <laughs> so, you know, overall I would say that it's very fun to play, but at the end you might be like, what? What did I just play? What just happened? Yeah. So. Fair enough. Other than that, um, my future mother-in-law is in town. I've been spending a lot of time with her. So I've I've basically been uh still just going on Hollow Knight. That game is so long. That game is there is so much to that I game. Was a bit worried about you last night because I, I saw your I saw your every- I'm looking at Steam every now and again, and on my friends list, it's like Dodger Hollow Knight. I'm like, all right, and I came back three hours later, Dodger Hollow Knight. I'm like, mm. and then <laughs> get away from it, dude. It about makes four, you feel better. I wasn't. Ac- I'm almost never actually playing it. It's just like minimized, and yeah, I don't I realize it's there. I believe this is the same person who had 162 hours on Sakura Clicker or whatever it was. Nah. 
So, you I know. left that open on purpose, though, because I right, wanted right. to see that's, while that's I was out of town game. how much muns I could get. <laughs> it's it's uh, easy to accidentally leave a game up sometimes because sometimes Steam doesn't even close them properly, so it's, the process is still running in the background. Like, oh, shit, really? What? That's messed up uh, my time. Yeah, for me, it's because I've played this entire game on stream. Um, I always, at the end of the stream, I like minimize it, read off the new subs, and then I'm like, cool, what else do I need to do, right? And I don't, I don't it. think yeah. about the fact that it's just sitting there minimized. So then the next time I play it, it's like, you have 190 hours in Hollow Knight. I'm like, that's not accurate. <laughs> it's so not accurate. But it is, it is just a huge game. There's so much to it. I was explaining to Sam, um, and I, I totally understand that it's, it's a little overdone to compare games to Dark Souls at this point. I totally get it. Very Dark Souls. Um, but Hollow Knight did sort of a Dark Souls for me in that I felt like I had played so much of the game and I just now hit the story. And everybody was like, wow, I'm surprised that you're just now hitting the point where you like understand what you're supposed to do. Mm. And it's because the game just lets you go wherever you want, right? And like you get lore elements by um beating baddies and looking at descriptions and by looking at item descriptions and stuff very dark souls in that way uh where you have to just kind of like piece together the lore and try to figure out what's going on and like each of the different areas has such a different feel and completely different bugs inside of it and you're like hmm okay interesting i you know i i think i kind of understand what's going on and i finally hit like a huge story part and a bunch of people were like i can't fucking believe it took you that long to get to that place right because it's just the game just lets you go wherever so yeah it's cool that ga- i know i've talked about that game like three weeks in a row but seriously go play it it's so worth it like 15 dollars for a 40 hour game like just it's it's great it's a great game cool i Have was playing tv <laughs> I was playing Faria, and then people prevented me from doing that by drowning me in recruitment chests. (laughs) I'm not actually joking. So, Let me put it this way. The devs did not anticipate what, what might happen with this recruitment system, which is an unlimited recruitment system. And it's done in game via the friends list, which is extremely easy. Now, I was assuming that I wouldn't really get additions to recruitment because it has no recruitment link so i'm like all right sure maybe one or two people go through the process no it turns out all you need to do is put the dude's name in the friends list and when Mm. they do that you immediately get a free card pack and so do they and the problem is it pops up immediately on the screen and if you get a lot of them they keep coming and I now have, I tried to, I thought I'd play a few rounds last night. I couldn't. I logged in, the chests wouldn't end. <laughs> and, and I couldn't click play because you can't click play until you have accepted all of the rewards. <laughs> I literally cannot play the game now. It's impossible. It was a pain in the ass during the stream because after every game, I was having to click through like 10 or 20 chests. So that was kind of annoying. Now right. it's literally impossible for me to play. So like, well, I, I mean, even then, when all this is done, I've got to open like 500 packs. Right. And, and you've got to open them one at a time and click each and every fucking card. I, I basically have had to stop until the devs patch it. Right. I, I can't play anymore, which really sucks because I was getting into that. 
and I can't play it now. I'm sorry, that's really funny. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> it, it, is, it is amusing. It, it's the biggest first world problem ever, but it, it, tur- <laughs> it, it literally turned from an annoyance into an actual DDoS of my ability to play the game. Right. I can't play it. It's not possible for me to play the game now. Oh dear. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if they patched it out yet. I hope I hope they did. They just didn't anticipate it being a problem. But honestly, like, I think it'll be a problem for any streamer or anyone, yeah. like, reasonable-sized YouTuber that makes a video. They'll probably get... Uh, yeah, the whole... Here's the problem with refusing friend requests. I can't get to the friends list until I've got through all the chests. I can't click anything. So, mm-hmm. no, it's not patched. You can stop <laughs> it. You can stop it from happening, but... It, in the because there's so many chests queued up, I can't do anything. So you can now, be opening them right now, TB. I don't know no. what you're doing here. Uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> I might have to set up an auto-click macro and just leave it for two hours. And then you get like then you get like banned or something. Yeah, for like using a macro in the game. Oh Jesus Christ. Yep. So I can't I can't play it. Shame because I like that game. It's great. <laughs> really fun. Uh, really enjoying the uh, arena mode they've got called Pandora, which is really unique, actually. It's got some cool ideas. I thought it was going to be your basic card draft and then, you know, win as much as you can. And it is, but it's got a few little wrinkles in it. Uh, every 10 cards, you get to pick a treasure, which is a super powerful fucking card. And also within the drafting, one color is locked out at the start. So the game has four colors and neutral. One of those four colors gets locked immediately when you start drafting so you'll never get cards of that color so as you continue to pick cards if you have a lot of one color the draft picks will start to trend towards that color so if all you're doing is picking red it's going to give you more red options as you go and it'll be like well maybe you want yellow and i'm like no i want red 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 so the game eventually gives up and it's like Okay, I'll give you red. <laughs> and since the resource system in that game requires you to play specific colored lands to play certain cards, it's not like magic. Well, it kind of is like magic. The The lands don't earn you mana, so it's not like you play, hey, uh, this requires three colorless and a swamp. It's like the card requires like two swamps, but it just means you need those lands on the board, the lands that generate mana. Right. So that's kind of how that works. Like, oh man, I already tapped my swamps. So yeah, there's I no, can't... there's no tapping. No, it, it doesn't work that right. way. Uh, but so obviously, if you had a deck of all four colors, you'd probably have a f- pretty fucking bad time. Like it would be very hard to play all of the cards, which is why you don't really do that in Magic either. Although Force could probably tell me, Force, is, is there some crazy five color fucking deck that exists? Some kaleidoscope oh. of bullshit. Yeah, totally. There have been that's that that stuff's come in and out depending on the sets. But yeah, <laughs> did you guys talk about Wildlands last week? Did you guys already lay into that? Only yeah. a little bit. Only a little bit. Let us never discuss it again. Just wanted to check. I, I haven't really gone back to it because it's crashing a lot. Like mm. uh, that really puts my tolerance of the whole thing off. I I got it running fine. Don't try and run that game on Ultra. Holy fuck. It, 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 some of the ultra settings are just like, we're going to eat all your frames. It doesn't matter what you have. Titan XP, 8-core CPU, don't give a shit, mate! They're going to ruin it for you. But it, there's a couple of settings that, like, uh, I think it's foliage density. If you turn that down from ultra to very high, and if you turn shadows down from ultra to very high, it, like, almost doubles your frame rate. So 
just play it on very high. Don't play it on ultra, guys. It's not worth it. But I just, I don't know. The game's just dull in my eyes. And the driving is shit. And their helicopters are impossible to control. <laughs> what the fuck is happening with them? I can't get it to go in a straight line. I can get it to, like, go forward for about five seconds, and it stops. And it's like, oh. They have, like, two different modes of flight. I'm I'm just disappointed, you know, because you, as for as much shit as people like to give uh, Ubisoft, I've really enjoyed some of their, like, recent games. I've yeah, Rainbow sure. Six to this just day, and you're the same, TB, I think. Rainbow yeah, Six Siege is one of my favorite FPS games ever. I yes. will suggest that game yes. to anybody. Yep, like, it's awesome. I think it is excellent. And I really liked For Honor, although I did fall off of that, admittedly. I still think that's a good same. game. Part of, you know, 1v1, 2v2, great. You know, Dominion yeah. bullshit. If they come up with a better mode than Dominion, I'll probably play the game again. So, like, I had high hopes for, uh, for Wildlands, but like you said, it's just dull. I don't. Yeah, there's nothing like special about it. There's nothing unique about it. The most I, I gather the most fun you have is when you're playing with other people. But that fun comes from those people fucking up and making things unnecessarily yes. difficult. Yeah. And then like when you play solo, it's it's almost a bore because the AI is so damn stupid, even in the higher level zones. Like God, it has problems getting into cars. I the one of the first missions I did was rescue this VIP and he got stuck in a cliff and wouldn't move. So I, I tried to get him down, but I thought, you know, maybe he can take a little bit of damage. Maybe if I like shoot him in the toe with my weakest weapon, then maybe he'll like stumble and get out. No, he died instantly from a shot to the toe. So that was great. Uh, one of the things with the AI as well, unless you play on really hard, you can pr pretty much beat any encounter in that game by getting the whole squad in like a truck, driving up to an enemy base, pressing F, which is assault mode, which means they'll break the windows, lean out the windows with their guns and shoot anything nearby with pinpoint accuracy. So you could just drive around in circles and kill everything in the base. And your guys just boop, 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 and you just go, wee, just doing donuts in the middle of a fucking drug compound. It's the dumbest shit in the universe. Like, it's so bad. Uh, I think that, uh, again, you'd have to play it on a much harder difficulty. But... I think the test of any game is if you play it with AI partners and it's boring, but if you play it with co-op people, it's good. Then the reason it's good is because you're playing with your friends, not because the game was good. Right. The game should still be decent with AI. Maybe not the best, but decent. Yeah. Oh, well. It's, uh, you know, it's not the worst thing. Like, I do... some. I, I will say, for me, a redeeming quality of that game is... I like clearing bases. I loved it in Far Cry, and I and I just enjoy that process. Well, since that's up. most of the game, I'm sure you'll right. enjoy that. <laughs> exactly. That's basically all the game is. You go up to camps, you mark everybody, you take them out from stealth, and then you pick up, like, one of four collectibles. There's, like, weapon parts, there are resources, yeah. and then there are... Um, the rebel faction you can get upgrades to like call down airstrikes and stuff but yeah so like if i want to kind of veg out and not think too hard i i don't i like clearing camps and stealth but beyond that i, I don't think there's just nothing special about it there's nothing no. me to keep playing it no it's it's ubisoft the game the game again except this time the game lets you experience ubisoft the game the game with three other people that are playing ubisoft the game the game Right. So if that's what you are after, great. But like, even at, you were mentioning like good Ubisoft games, like we keep uh, ignoring Watch Dogs Two was fucking good. Like it was way yeah. more of what the original should have been. It was colorful. It was interesting. The characters were much better. The hacking was much better. The driving was much better. The fucking city was more interesting. 
Uh, they've actually made some good games lately, but Wildlands has just kind of gone back to whole Ubisoft the game, the game, the game again. And that's a real shame in my eyes. Oh, well. <laughs> Formulaic is how I describe that. All right, let's go break. When we come back, a little bit of gaming news, what there is of it, and releases. I'm sure there'll be something exciting in that list. You are watching the Co-Optional Podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. After a month's hiatus, Shoutcraft Kings returns on the 18th of March, 2017. Kicking off at 8 a.m. Eastern with the regional times on the screen for you right here. Bunny will defend his crown and throne against all comers, including some of the best players from Korea and the top foreign pro gamers from around the world. You'll be seeing participants from the recent IEM Katowice Global Grand Finals, GSL, and more besides. We have the absolute best and, of course, our brand new larger prize pool of $7,500 on the line, a potential of $375 per map. That is a lot of money, and it's going to be a fantastic event. I'll be casting once again with Mr. In Control Robinson over on twitch.tv slash totalbiscuit. That is twitch.tv slash totalbiscuit. All the spoiler-free VODs will be available on this channel, youtube.com slash totalbiscuit. But of course, the best way to catch it is live in the channel. Come and watch some of the most exciting StarCraft II action that you will find online. This is Shoutcraft Kings March. And it is going to be fantastic. 8 a.m. Eastern on March the 18th, 2017. Twitch.tv slash Total Biscuit. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Co-Optional Podcast. Hi. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Nicely done. We're pros here, no doubt about it. We did it. We all did it. Good job, team. Well done. Well, not really much in the news this week. Obviously, the, the old Switch launch hullabaloo is kind of over and done with. There's not really a lot to say on the subject. Yeah. Apparently, it's sold one and a half million units. I imagine it would have sold more if they'd actually stocked it. Yeah. So what are people saying about uh, the other games that aren't Zelda? What is it? One, two, Switch... Uh, most that... people said one two switch is a joke for the price they're charging for it. Like, okay. it, one two switch should have come with the switch is the general consensus. Yes, it's like, a, it's a little pack in demo game is what it is. Like, it, mm -hmm. it, no way is it worth the amount of money. Uh, I know Angry Joe has had a lot of fun with that because I think he had to make he had to re-edit his video like twenty seven times to Jesus dodge all of Nintendo's Christ. copyright bullshit. Somebody Fucking got their video bad. taken down for using the startup noise from the switch. That click. That what? is registered under content ID. What is their problem? What's Nintendo's <laughs> issue? I don't... Japan. Okay. Japan. Like... They're, Jap they're Japanese. They're these big Japanese companies don't understand YouTube and don't want to understand YouTube. Yeah. It's that simple. All of this bullshit, when you've ever seen this bullshit come down, it's always from a Japanese firm. Every time. Whatever, I mean, I guess it's within their right. It's their stuff. But well, it just... it's not. Not in the case of review, it isn't. That's impinging no. on fair use. So no, it's not within yeah. their right. Uh, so yeah, anyway, yeah, that's, I mean, this isn't news. They've been pulling this shit for yeah. years, which is why I don't support yeah. them. Uh, but whatever. Uh, I have the new Just Dance game, but I haven't popped it open yet. I haven't tried that on the Switch. I'm so curious to know how Just Dance plays yeah. on the Switch. 
I mean, I imagine it's probably the same as it did with the Wiimotes, right? You probably just hold a Joy-Con in every hand and just dance, yeah? Maybe. Probably? Yeah. I don't think so. We'll see. Hmm. We shall see. Yeah, I, I don't really think there's there's an awful lot else going on with it, really. Like I said, uh, a lot of people still can't buy it, which resulted in there being a massive drop in the charts for Breath of the Wild, which mm. makes perfect sense, because literally everybody that bought the Switch probably bought Breath of the Wild with it, and mm. now that there's, and since there's no restock of the Switch, they can't keep buying Breath of the Wild. But yeah. there's a level of... I guess you can understand it to some extent, because they overproduced the Wii U on launch, so they were trying to avoid that, but now again they've underproduced the Switch. So they apparently can't get it right regardless of what they do, so <laughs> whatever. But yeah, there's, there's not really much else on that other than... I, I, I'm waiting to buy it. I'm, I, I want to play Zelda, but if that's the only thing they got right now, I'm just going to wait. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not touching it yet, Like especially since a lot of the games are so badly optimized. I watched a frame rate comparison of uh, Dragon Quest Heroes 2 between, I think it was possibly ps uh, i don't know if they put vita in there it was like three different systems one of which was the switch the ps4 was running at about 60 frames the switch was dropping down to 20 in boss fights or lower like it yeah. was it's got some serious power issues man yeah. it is it's an underpowered system and because it's a hybrid system you'd can't you've got this weird situation where people are expecting levels of gameplay that you would get from a proper home console but because it's a portable, it's less powerful. But then you get these weird situations where in portable mode, some of these games are running better because they're rendering at a lower frame rate. And there's even things, uh, some people seem to even have the theory that Zelda has a memory leak and that's mm -hmm. causing a bunch of the performance problems. There's, again, it's early adopters problems, right? Yeah. Consoles yeah. have issues yeah. on launch. It's why it's savvy to wait. Yeah. So I guess something that's kind of related to this, uh, there's not really been a lot of news. You don't release, I guess, a lot of news around PAX time. There's not really a lot going on at the moment. Probably the biggest blow up over the last few days was actually over Jim Sterling again. And no, he wasn't attacked by another indie dev. There's no another lawsuit. Although it wouldn't surprise me if somebody tried to launch one on it. He <laughs> had the audacity, ladies and gentlemen. He had... I mean, he's the worst person in the world. He's literally Hitler for doing this. He gave Zelda That's Breath of the Wild seven... I know. I, you warned us and we didn't listen. Mm. And now it's too late. When they came for Zelda, I did not speak out because I was not a Zelda. <laughs> He Only gave one it. Is, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I, I, I love playing the character of Zelda and running around in the green tunic with the sword. It's really great. But oh what if Zelda was Trigger. a girl, though? Like, what, what if they made a girl, girl Zelda? That's cool. That's cool. That's a cool concept. Old they joke, great joke. We recycle them here on this show. Every old trick is new again. Renewable we energy, ladies and gentlemen. Guys, we do. We, we believe in renewable he gave energy it a sources. Seven out of ten, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get that out. Yep. So he criticized the game. He gave it a 7 out of 10, which is the lowest score it's received from any major outlet. It had, it had a colossal effect on the Metacritic rating, dropping it from an incredible 98 to an almost unplayable 97. <laughs> Jesus. D disgusting. Think of the kids, Jim Sterling. As a direct result of this, his site was put under denial of service attack and is still having problems staying up. Because <laughs> fanboys are fucking morons. 
internet. The uh, like the re can be heard across oceans. Although I mean, it is Nintendo, so maybe it's not fanboys. Maybe Nintendo themselves have gone from copyright claims to DDoSing. To DDoS, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm fairly sure like, we're not we allowed know to what say the that. Kids do nowadays. I think I think it's illegal for us to claim that Nintendo is participating in illegal DDoS attacks. I'm not sure we're allowed to say that on this show. So maybe let's not. <laughs> They're totally not like, doing I'm that, gone. guys. I ain't gonna be your next <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't give a shit. Goddamn, <laughs> coming, coming. It's that fucking Nosferatu, man. He's turned evil now. He yeah, doesn't exactly. care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, but that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that the, this whole thing is ridiculous. And, and it, I, I guess it's 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 funny though because whenever a game comes out and it's like almost universally praised. There's oh, if anyone gives anything of a dissenting opinion, there's always going to be the response that they're just being doing contrary, be contrary. Yeah, so yeah, it's tough though because if you have legitimate critics, there's no perfect video game for everybody, right? right. So yeah. s- some reviewer is going to have issues, and it happens to be Jim. And that and- look, I think almost all of us can we have that moment where, like, a movie, for example has like a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. And you go there and there's always the one reviewer like, it's stupid. And like, you're stupid. This movie's fucking great. And everyone has that reaction to things they love, but like, they're allowed to be critical of it. Like, you, <laughs> you can't it's, tell them not to have- It's the entertainment media. Not everyone's gonna enjoy it. You know, I right. give it even less than that because I value performance so much. I would automatically, right. if I used scores, I would dock Zelda down to a six just for the performance problems alone. Because it runs like shit. That's important yeah. to me. If that's not important to you, great. But you're not the one writing the fucking review, so I don't care. Right. The, uh, incidentally, by the way, I don't believe he actually was the lowest. I think, uh, yeah, Slant Magazine. Who the fuck is that? Apparently gave it a 6 out of 10. Uh, so it, it, it was actually... Uh, and Gamer and, 10, not enough slants. Yeah, Gamer.no, which is a Norwegian website, also gave it a 6. Uh, but I imagine people ignored those sites because of nobody. Uh, also, incidentally, it wasn't a six. It's Metacritic's bullshit where they translate three stars out of five into a six. Uh. Like, so, you know. Um, he's like, he's obviously the, the biggest reviewer to have criticized it. The reaction to it has been, it's just, it's sad that it's so fucking predictable that this was going to yeah. happen. It really is. And it depresses the hell out of me. Do you do you happen to know what his uh, major talking points were for his criticisms? Somebody, yes. Somebody in chat just said the best part is all of Jim's issues with the game were ones that we complained about last week on this show. Yes, <laughs> they actually were. They were ones that you brought up and Mathis, the site's still down, incidentally, but the review can be read through an archived link, so it doesn't even fucking matter. His website doesn't even have any ads on it, so it's lit all it is literally a censorship attempt. That's what it is. That's what. Make no mistake about it. This is a bunch of fucking fanboy morons trying to censor a critic because he said something they didn't like. It's actually a free speech argument at this point. So, uh, his major points were: um, he really hates weapon degradation, which is a thing that we brought. Yeah, we brought that up last week, Uh, and you know that was discussed at length on this very show. And the idea being that we understand why it's there, but we think the implementation sucks. The fact that you have to pause the game every time a weapon breaks to pick a new weapon from a menu is, in my opinion, bad UI design and breaks game flow. That's shit. Why the hell don't they have, like, a fucking auto-equip? If they were going to emphasize uh, getting improvised weapons from the ground, 
why give you inventory space for like 50 fucking weapons? Like, clearly, that's not how it works. It's not fucking Dead Rising, where you can only carry like three or four. And it's like, oh shit, my stuff's broke. Okay, grab a park bench and hit the zombies with it, because I need to at the time. No, you can carry 50 fucking ice acts of moblin slaying... I don't play Zelda. It, it, <laughs> you can carry tons of them. You know, it's just it's just bad design in that respect. He apparently didn't like the puzzle shrines. The uh, he obviously brought up the performance issues, and good for him for actually doing that. And go fuck yourself to any reviewer that didn't, because I don't think you're doing your job properly. And there were a couple of other things. Hmm. Cool. It's... You should probably die though. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I th yeah, I mean, he needs to drink a leech, obviously, for that. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it, it, I don't know if this is even a chilling effect or not in action. Some people might be scared of that kind of reaction, but I think some people will also see a business opportunity in it, which is why it's bad either way, okay? So if it scares people off from rightly criticizing a game giving a game more leeway than it deserves, giving, you know, letting it off for its flaws, maybe not mentioning them or maybe smoothing them out a little bit or giving it a higher score than it deserves, that's bad because that means you've been given inaccurate information. If it causes people to deliberately become contrarian, knowing that the controversy will drive additional traffic to their site, then that's the opposite problem, but the same problem. They're still being dishonest with you at that point. So I either way, it's bad to, to do this kind of shit. I think that there's is this like a double problem in the fact that yeah people definitely do that where they just go after something because they know it will get them traffic but also on the Nintendo side of things I know Nintendo is very much like if you like our shit we'll give you more of it wink 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 that's always happened not, yeah they do not even try to hide that shit they're just like if you talk good about our stuff we'll send you more of our stuff we love you like that's yeah. they don't even hide that so like this is it's a it's a double thing here. I think you're getting a lot of great reviews because people are excited for the game, true, and they like it. But you're also getting a lot of great reviews because people are just like, boy, would I like more Nintendo contacts. And then you get people who are like shitting on the game because they're like, views, views, views. It, it, look, find people you trust. Stick with those people because most of them is shiesty as shit. Um, yep. Sorry, what were you going to uh, say? I was just going to say it almost, it almost makes me think about the argument that in politics, like if you're running for office or anything, you shouldn't accept money. It almost makes me wonder if in reviewing products for consumers that no one should ever get like free early copies or something, which I know that sucks because then people have to wait after the available purchase to check reviews. Right. This has been made a few times, yeah. That happens because of people worried that they might not get future copies and that influencing how they might review something you know what i mean yeah it, and that's a problem because it's not it's there's no ideal system here because if right. people stop getting early copies that means there's less information for the consumer around launch so that actually means that they're less informed they'll make a bad purchase decision uh, companies aren't held to account until after the fact but you're right in saying that it's not just a case of getting a free game. Like some people think, oh, getting a free game means you're biased because that's a gift. Not for people like us, that's paperwork. It's not a gift. For a small YouTuber who's just starting out, who's never had one before, they might be excited about that. It's the same as flying out to like a press event. For, yep. for your first one, you're super excited about it. But for people that are jaded to this industry and have done this a lot, we don't even do it. We, don't, we won't get on a plane to go to that yeah. studio because it's a pain in the ass. 
we, we don't get, get offered more games than we care to or have the time to accept. Yeah. You know what I but, mean? But really, Jesse's point down. is not just the free game. It's you you do right by them. You give them a nice review and then they might send you more games. And you're also afraid of the blacklist. If you say too many bad things about one of their games, their PR contact might suddenly forget you on the next review copy distribution. And it was known yeah. for that. Nintendo like, actually does a shitload thing. of that. Yes. And, and it falls on the company to accept that maybe their game is shit and not do that. Like, that's what it's about. Like, they can still send you copies, but as the reviewer, you have the right to be like, I did not enjoy this game. And, and they should be like, okay, what didn't you enjoy about it? Oh, interesting. All right. Next time we'll go back and we'll try and do that shit and let's send you another one and try to win you over with this one. Like, that's what it's about. It's not about like fucking like, like this shit and you'll get more. Like that's, that's not how it should work. No, there's still a level of responsibility on the critic to be fair and to try and avoid inaccuracy as much as possible. Some people are going to make mistakes or misinterpret aspects of games, because let's be honest, games are really fucking complicated. There are a lot of systems built on top of other systems and mechanics that could be misunderstood. And of course, there's your individual player skill that factors in as well. And you're trying to separate your, your limitations from the game's limitations and trying to make sure that you don't confuse one for the other. That's actually really hard to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, without it, because nobody has a perfect understanding of the product. And of course, you're on a deadline for all of this as well. You can't spend 500 hours with a fucking game because there's too many other games you need to look at as well. Uh, so there's an emphasis and an impetus on those critics, to be fair. And I think that if companies don't give review copies to people that have been repeatedly unfair to their product and clearly haven't given it enough time or have bullshitted it or maybe have decided to go on some political crusade over their particular product or whatever, then that's kind of justifiable. But just yeah, simply right. not rating it highly, no. Right. And um, it, making that distinction is going to be tough, especially, yes. you know, again, they're video games. So most of it's, it's all opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, not like, it's not like reviewing this fridge. The shit doesn't turn on. It's broke. Don't buy it. Unless they're game breaking bugs. Games yes. are like, do I like this? Do I find the systems fun? Yeah. You can only really talk objectively about things like performance and whether or not parts of the game actually work. If I press a button and nothing happens, then that's an objective fault with the game. But mm-hmm outside of that it's like all right okay everything else is like well do i like this mechanic don't i like this mechanic why don't i like this mechanic do i like this character don't like this character etc etc yeah it is a lot of subjective damn opinion and reviews are going to be full of that and they're going to run the gamut and the reality of it is that you're not going to agree with all of them and here's the thing it doesn't fucking matter why do you care do you own stock in nintendo if you don't own stock in nintendo why do you give a fuck why are you going to it might be Nintendo. I'm just saying. I gotta suit up in my armor. Nintendo owns stock in Nintendo. He's right. <laughs> yes. Squire, bring me my horse and boarding. Put on my helmets. Polish my lance. I go into battle for the giant multinational corporation. The fair damsel in distress attacked by the hideous beast known as Jim Sterling. Corporate Come on. You're defending a company that doesn't give a shit about you. You're a number to them. Come on. Quit being suckers. Yeah, I keep seeing so many people in chat being like, well, but I mean, Jim got a couple of things wrong. No shit. Who cares? That's not the point. Who cares? The point is that you shouldn't, like, no one deserves a DDoS over a fucking review. No one deserves a death threat over a fucking review. No. And if you don't agree with that, then you need to stop watching this show because... Like, what the fuck are you doing here? 
it's like, yeah, as it turns out, like, uh, it, yeah, but, but, but Dodger, what about our tolerance? We're supposed to be tolerant. We're tolerant liberals, right? We're tolerant liberals. We're going to tolerate everything. Yeah? No? What? Not being a fucking what? asshole. You don't exactly. Exactly. No, we fucking don't. No, we actually don't want assholes in our audience. Ah, intolerance. The intolerant yeah. left. Shoot me now. Idiots. Anywho. Anyway. Guns, wink. <laughs> <laughs> We're straying too far. I'm sorry. Careful now. <laughs> no, it's it, it literally comes down to the fact that a dude, like, had an opinion and you disagreed with it and, like, people lost their mind. It It's incredible that this is this is a thing that occurred like, yeah and really a lot of it's not even the opinion like if you want to dispute like some of his criticisms then dispute them in a fair and reasonable fashion bear in mind of course whenever this happens and i've seen this happen with my stuff all the time i put out a video and then there's literally hundreds of people that want to nitpick everything that i've said sometimes i'm going to be wrong and that's great and if i know that i've made a significant mistake i'll make a correction but i'm not going to read all of your fucking treaties on everything that i supposedly did wrong or everything that you disagree with that's insane like you have the right to say that but i don't have to read it that's nuts i i don't have the time or the inclination so, and when it comes to reviews, by the way, you don't have to just read one review. Okay, there's one review that didn't like it. Go read another one. I can guarantee they did. Incidentally, by the way, let's get out of the conversation, the very notion that Jim Sterling didn't like Zelda, because he fucking did. He just that's didn't the, think it was perfect. That's that the crazy problem with our show last week. Mathis mm -hmm. right? loves Zelda. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone who, who criticizes Zelda so far has said, qualified it with, I love this game. But and yeah. people are still like, oh, all you're doing is shitting on it. You fucking suck. Do you not listen to these what they're saying. No, because they only read the score. That's the fucking problem with scores. Scores need to go off and die in a fucking hole because scores are the reason all this shit happens. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you feel like if he had written his article but had no score? Absolutely, because oh, yeah. you really think yeah. that most of these assholes can be bothered to read something longer than a tweet because they fucking can't. The only reason they fucking lost their collective minds is the 7 out of 10. I get some reason for that, everybody. What can I say? I'm the voice of reason in this fucking world. The reason they lost their minds, the reason, is the 7 out of 10. They didn't read it. The vast majority of people didn't fucking read it. So yes, get rid of the scores because then people are forced to read it and take everything in context. And that would you also agree that again, it shouldn't have mattered what the fuck score he gave it? Mm -mm. Of course not. Yeah, of course it didn't matter. Truths. I think scores are fucking irrelevant. I, I imagine some of these people tell themselves. I am not like, defending. I just want to be absolutely clear. I'm not defending the people. I'm not saying, well, Jim should have removed the score to avoid this from happening. No, no, right. no, no, no. It's all Jim's fault no, because no, 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 score no, on no, there. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, stop Sorry, right there. There's already a Reddit post claiming you said that. Ah, so. shit. <laughs> what did Total Biscuit do now? No. <laughs>
No, no, no. So you, many you, things. You're totally so right. You're not even aware of. <laughs> uh, yeah, you have no idea. Not but, yet. You'll find out <laughs> at some point. No, no, no. I, you're totally right. Like, th there's no reason to react that way to the score, but you can avoid a bunch of this bullshit and actually, in my opinion, encourage a bit of a better culture about this kind of thing by forcing people to read the whole thing and absorb all the opinions in context. I think that results in better people more informed people. It's harder to get angry at something if you've read it in the context and realize Jim actually likes this game. Because he, he heaps praise on it in many ways. It's the, it's the shit sandwich, right? Mm. It's that you, you sandwich a bad thing between two good things and it lessens yep. the emotional uh, response. I like that you call it a shit sandwich. I I would call it a compliment sandwich. Oh <laughs> yes, well that. It's called sandwich. I think sandwich. that demonstrates a fundamental difference of personality between the two of us. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Those who are curious, uh, an example would be Force. It's so nice to have you on here. Uh, I don't watch any of your content. I think it's garbage, but you really have a nice smile. <laughs> Compliment sandwich. Yeah, no compliment sandwich. There it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, fuck, fuck you, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I did it. Yeah. So, you know, I do think score, getting rid of scores would help. You know, the, the whole idea that literally people got mad about that Metacritic thing. If scores didn't exist, there wouldn't be a Metacritic, so they wouldn't have a Metacritic to get mad over, right? Uh, but you're totally right. The, the base problem is not scores. The base problem is root behavior. So getting rid of scores is a band-aid over a much larger problem, which is- What making... if? Yes. What if you, <laughs> you write an article and at the end of an article, there's just a little smiley face. And if you really look at it, it's a hyperlink. And if you click on the smiley face, it takes you to a big picture that shows you what the, what the number score is. I don't. How does that solve? I'm not, I'm not yeah, sure that I would help. Go to the article, being like, "Where's the fucking score?" And it exists. Yeah. But it's really hard to find. Oh my god! Let's gamify it, yeah. guys. Let's gamify game reviews. <laughs> I know we can. Oh god. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, I mean, I the chat makes the point. It's like, why does it affect you? It doesn't. Beyond one little thing, that we can dismiss the idea all we like, but. Unfortunately, some people define their identity by things that they like, like, and they allow it to seep into their personality. And when that happens too much, and we see it outside of games as well, I mean, it, it, it's politics, basically, it's identity politics we're talking about. If you let your identity be too much defined by the things that you believe in and the things that you like, then a criticism of that thing or belief becomes a criticism of you. Yeah. Ergo, the uh, defensive and aggressive reactions. Uh, yeah. That sucks. We shouldn't think that way, but it is kind of human nature to do so. We need to educate against it. We need to encourage reasonable discourse. We need to make it abundantly clear that criticism of product, criticism of a thing that you like is not an attack on you. And we also then need to be careful when we're writing our articles and making our points that we don't inadvertently attack people. Now, don't turn it into an ad hominem. Go after, criticize the product, criticize the belief. Don't criticize the person that holds it. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, uh, if scores continue to be a thing, which I'm pretty sure they will be. They will. They're not going um, away. Let's be let's frank. Let's just say, as a uh, former educator, fuck the score system then that is based off of the educational score system, which is a 50 is a fail. Oh, so a the, is it, what is it called? Sliding scale or something? What's it called in yeah, America? Sliding scale? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, there's curves and all. It doesn't matter. The whole point is that bell curve. Uh. That is fucking stupid. Like right. it, it slants everything to the point where of half the scoring range is useless ninety yeah, percent right. of the time. Yeah. So and then people take like a three out of five or four out of five or two stars or whatever, and then translate it mentally to whatever that score is, which again is fucking stupid. Right. It holds back kids in school. It holds back fucking scores in like video games. It's just a dumb system that should yeah. not be used, but we continue to use it because it's just real simple and easy, but wrong. Yeah. Anybody that thinks of a five out of 10 or a 50% out of a hundred percent as a failure, because if you grew up in our school system, then you absolutely do. Yeah. Like, it's really hard to reprogram your brain to no 50 is middle of the road. A five out of 10 is middle of the road. It was yeah. average. Yeah. A one is a failure. Right. Well, I was going to, I was going to say that, that if you look at most review scores, a five out of 10 is basically considered a zero in yeah. most people's minds. Right. Like, right. Yeah. So some people, uh, some reviewers try to stick to five out of 10 as average and actually applaud them for doing that. But in order for, to stick to their guns, because that's what Jim Sterling is doing. Seven out of 10 on his review score is good game. That's literally the definition of it. So if he believed Zelda was a good game and not a amazing game, then it should have got a seven. The problem is Metacritic tries to take everybody's different scales and mush them all together and translate them into something that doesn't make sense. Uh, if the, the best possible example is if I head to Metacritic right now and I go, this actually happens for movies way more than it does for games, but uh, we'll just do this for a little demonstration. Go to Zelda. Bring all of this up. There we go. Uh, so let's see. All the way down we go. Where we stop, nobody knows. There are three scores that are yellow and not green. They are 70, 60, and 60. Why is 70 yellow? Ye yellow is associated with mediocre, average, not right. so great. And Metacritic has done that. And actually, interestingly enough, I believe the score, the score rate, a threshold for a yellow movie is actually even higher than that. Like, mm. you need to... Uh, no, sorry, no, it's lower. Uh, for movies, uh, Train Spotting right now, the second Train Spotting movie, currently has a 61, and that's green. A 61 in gaming terms is yellow because they've created this arbitrary structure because of this tendency in games where anything below an 8 is useless. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Wouldn't a 10 through 7 be green, a 6 through 4 be yellow, and then a 3 through 1 would be red? Like, that makes, like that's an even... <clears throat> distribution it makes sense and tells you where things fall like okay well it's not a great game but it's okay because it got a like even a four can still be an enjoyable game like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense i think it it's so silly that that we if you're if you're like a six through one you're shit and end of story yeah. and like real world jobs are lost off of that shit Companies base yep. their like future games off of whether a, like we a heard the obsidian shit time and again or whatever yeah, Obsidian lost its bonus on Fallout New Vegas over 1% on Metacritic. They needed 85, they got 84. Which, to be fair, might be one of the reasons why some people are sensitive to the dial moving like that. Obviously with Zelda, 98 to 97 is... Pfft, are you kidding me? That doesn't matter at all. Yeah. It, but there's been at least one instance of a studio missing out as a result of Metacritic. But to me, that is not the fault of the reviewer. That's the fault of the fucking publisher for putting that in the contract to begin with. The right. publisher is putting any weight on Metacritic whatsoever is a problem. They need to quit that shit. Yeah. The sole purpose of Metacritic is to try and give people something of an indication of whether it's worth their time or not. 
know, same with Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes audience rating is very simple. Like versus dislike. That's it. That's all it is. There's a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. That doesn't mean it's the most amazing movie ever. It just means 98% of the people that rated it thought it was worth their time. Yep. That's it. There's no nuance to that system. And you know what? That's actually potentially a good thing. Because yeah. if you just want a quick reference, you want a quick thing, it's like, is this worth my time? The Rotten Tomatoes rating has some value. But these scores and people that obsess over these numbers, it does not. Mm -mm. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't imagine that there's a single person listening to this show that was in any way involved with the DDoS shit or attacking Jim Sterling over this shit or goes after yeah. reviewers for this shit. I like to think we are, have a better audience than that. I really do. But Oh yeah, they would have DDoSed us a long time ago if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. But I'm all I'm gonna say is if there happens to be let me, let me extend an olive branch instead of you know kind of sticking to my own guns here and repeating what I said yesterday. I'm gonna stick to my own guns and extend an olive branch, not condemn you for this and just say, just examine your behavior. Think about why it is that you were involved in this, why you decided to go down that route. Think about what Zelda as a game means to you and your identity. And if it's that important to you, then think about the bad things that could happen as a result of that being the case. Think about what could happen if Nintendo suddenly goes and does a really shitty thing that affects you. Think about the amount of damage that would do. Think about how vulnerable you make yourself, like how you, 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 you create this giant weakness for yourself by being so brand loyal and defining your identity so much by the products that you like. And it gives people a means to attack you and hurt you. The best thing that you can do is make yourself as impervious as possible to that. And the way to do that is to just detach your identity from this product. And let me tell you this, you are not the products that you buy. You have worth as a person outside of the things that you like outside of the things that you enjoy. One Try second, and... I gotta write this down. <laughs> Force doesn't have a worth as a person. <laughs> Just don't... don't. But he's a good guy. But he's a good guy. Don't like... allow yourself to be defined by that. Don't, don't let someone else's glory define who you are. You have your own achievements. You have your own dreams. You have your own special talents and abilities and strengths and weaknesses. And you're defined by those. Not by the things that you like. Allow yourself to be defined by your ability to achieve and succeed in life and do something that you find truly fulfilling. You know, be your own person. Don't be don't be a billboard. Don't don't be one of those walls that's covered in flyers for bands, you know. Don't don't be a jigsaw that's made up of parts of other people's work. Hey, wait a second. Is there a problem with walls with Band flyers. I think they're kind of beautiful. I'm, <laughs> I'm, to I'm totally against them. Well, you know, if you think, look, I like to think of myself as the Seattle gum wall. <laughs> Ooh, I was there. It's beautiful too. Sticky but beautiful. They took like all the gum off, and now there's more gum there already. And I'm so proud of Seattle. <laughs> Real talk. At, at the end of the day, it also comes down to the fact that like, like what the fuck you like, and don't worry about anybody else. Yeah. Even if what you like is shit, and people are shitting on it. Fucking enjoy it to the best you can because you like it. It don't well, matter what other people think. Relish yeah. in your own enjoyment and opinion. Yeah, don't hell don't yeah. worry about anybody well, else's. Here's the thing, here's a cool thing, right? Here's a way to look at this. If you're in a minority, if you're one of the only people that likes a thing and everybody else doesn't appreciate it, 
you're unique. Like, you're pretty cool and special. You found something that nobody else was able to find in that. And take joy in that, you know? Take, take real pleasure in that fact, because there's something different about you, and you should celebrate that. There's, the, the conformity's no fun. Life's too fucking short to be doing the same thing everybody else is doing. Do something different. Relish in something else. And don't worry what these guys say, you know? Take that dislike as, as a strength, you know? Take it into yourself and say, oh, you weren't capable of enjoying that? Well, sucks to be you. Isn't that a shame? I Shame I can't share that enjoyment with you, but I enjoyed it and I loved it. And that makes me special. That makes me a unique person. Think about it that way, maybe. Aw, guys. Aww. I still don't like you. <laughs> let's just, I, just let's just be clear about this. We're still not friends, okay? Did you did you just shit sandwich them, TB? <laughs> All of chat, like. Ding, ding, ding! The we have a winner. The entire chat is the biggest shit sandwich I've ever. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, you, you think I don't manipulate people through my words? You are sadly <laughs> mistaken. All right. Let's Shall we move, move on to releases? Let us do that, let's yes. Yeah. This week's release list includes, of course, you know, Steam and consoles. We've got them all in there now. We're not missing out on that. It was curated by Dodger, who went through the release list and decided to take out the things that she viewed as a waste of time. Yeah, sure did. All right, guys, March 14th, we've got Real Heroes Firefighter. It's Pardon? a first-person firefighter simulator. Oh, game. I thought you said oh. real heroes fire fire. I was like, what? <laughs> fire fire. <laughs> fire fry. We just turned into Rammstein this, for a second there. Was on Wii? I don't know. I'm was it on Wii? Maybe. I, I, you know, I have heard of this game before. But yeah, real maybe it was on Wii. Yeah. yeah. Finally. <laughs> I guess. Finally. <laughs> um, this is, next up this is, is Dead Rising 4. Yeah, so this is the Steam version of the game, and it's compatible with Windows 7, I believe. The original version was a Windows 10 exclusive on PC. Yeah. They've been doing this a few times. Mm -hmm. They did it with Adam we uh, Alan Wake. Uh, what I will say is that unlike Alan Wake, the Windows 10 version of Dead Rising 4 didn't run like absolute shit, and it's that's a good thing. But, I mean, in particular for me, I'm not... I don't like Dead Rising 4 at all. I, I think it's a, it's just a betrayal of what the franchise was. But hey, yeah, that's just me. Um, the next game is called... Damn I had to include it. Damn it's, you called, <laughs> it's called Coffins. It's what? a fighting game where the people are holding coffee cups. Uh, how do you even pronounce... Oh. Oh, it's oh Jesus! Like offense. But yeah, offense is a high octane fighting game combining the elegance of fencing with the pure joy of tasty coffee. What in the actual fuck? I like how the weapons are kind of like yo-yos, coffee yo-yos. Though that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it finally happened, Dodger. You have finally found a game that you can truly bond with Octopimp over. It's got all the things yeah. that you both oh, like God. in it. <laughs> um. The next game is called Lost in Nature. I played this game when it like first went on early access forever ago. So it's actual release date. It's a survival, yeah. Actually going to be happening. Yeah, it's a game where you crash land on an island and you try to just live on the island. So it's a little bit different in that a lot of those games are very multiplayer focused and this one is all about just like you surviving by yourself. Yeah, it's um, been in development for the past 4 years apparently and I guess it's into mm, yeah, I guess 
it must have just been released in early access, I suppose. Uh, it, it was one of those weird situations where I was like, has it been in early access? And then they put it out. But no, it's got like no reviews or ratings or anything. But you say you played an earlier version of it regardless. I did. Yeah. What did you think? Like, do you think it had potential? Um, it was so early that it was kind of hard to tell. It oh, looked okay. really nice, but it didn't have a lot of the like crafting implements or anything like that. Yeah, in it still it, seems so. like the UI is really basic. Like there's not, they haven't put a lot of polish there yet. Yeah. But I'm liking like the, this guy's like building a hut and a little village of his own in first person, which I thought was kind of neat. Hmm. The next game uh, looks very silly. It's called Neighbor Horde. Uh, you and other animals in town team up to fight off zombie Abe Lincolns. As you do. I understand why I put this, but you are really picking the games that are hardest to spell. I gotta say, <laughs> it's becoming a real problem. It's not my fault. I try to bring them up in time for the viewers. I'm like, I can't spell this. Help! All right, this one is Q I. No, it's N E I G H B O R. No, I already have it. It's already up. Oh. It's been. I found it eventually. I'm just. Oh. The list isn't getting any better, TB, just so oh, you know. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. So, there's that one. Are you ready, are you ready to move on, TB? Uh, yeah, I, I just brought up the text list so that I'd be able to just copy-paste, because fuck go. this. Perfect. <laughs> All the right. next one is called Quizality. It's a VR game where uh, you do trivia. Why? Like, walk through and get quizzed on shit. Wait, you seem to be sort of driving through a post-apocalyptic world, and every now and again it gives you a trivia question. Yeah, yeah, I can't figure out, like, what, is it a game that has trivia, or is it just you move through shit and then trivia? You know, actually, as weird as that sounds, this actually makes more sense than I think. It, it's VR, right? Like, this, wouldn't, yeah. this would be dumb as fuck outside of VR, but... Half, we were talking about this earlier, VR's not just about games, like, you can get enjoyment out of experiences with VR, so it seems like they're trying to mix the two things, they're like, hey, we want to make a quiz game in VR, but, you know, the cool thing about VR is we can have crazy environments, so we put right. the quizzes in crazy environments, and you get to ride through Tron World and on the moon and shit. Actually, I do see the appeal of that. Yeah. It's probably still terrible, but at least I see <laughs> the purpose. Yeah. The next game is called Ikimu. Oh, for Christ's e sake! E-E-K. <laughs> e I've got it. I've got it. Relax. <laughs> Ikimus, Winters of the Dark Shard. You're um, kind of cool. Yeah, yeah it looks cute, design. right? It's like cute and creepy. There's it, you are trying to rescue your friends. Third person platformer kind of thingy. Uh, yeah. It's got some combat in it as well. There's a big mm -hmm. boss that looks like a just really large bear, I think. All right. Okay. Kind of the next game. It is a bit, yeah. It's a bit creepy, isn't it? Uh, the next game is not what it sounds like. I don't believe you for a second. <laughs> it's called Brave Furries. Uh -huh. it, is, it is not what it sounds like. Not the at furry, all. What? The furry princess no, has been kidnapped, <laughs> and you are the 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 furry civilians of the kingdom, and you have to solve puzzles to get the furry princess back. I'm so disappointed that the description does not at all represent what this game is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. Next. Next up is Paranormal Activity The Lost Soul. Not to be confused with Paranautical Activity, not the same game at all. No, it's, uh, you know, is going it... along with um, the Paranormal Activity movies. Yeah, I was going to ask, is it licensed? It looks like it that. is, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's VR. Oh, <laughs> nope, 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 nope. <laughs> yep, nope. 
Stop that with this old VR horror shit. It's not okay. Uh, the next game is VR Sports. Well, I think we know what that's all about. Then, it's, don't a sports, mm. it's a VR sports game, but it looks like pretty polished and clean. Actually, these uh, VR games are actually interesting because I finally got around to saying, fuck it, I'm not going to try to play VR in my office anymore because it's clearly not of space. So I took my old machine and I'm kind of rebuilding it and I moved it into the media room and I'm making a big VR space there. So I'm going to play nice. a lot more VR games in the next couple of weeks. Perfect. But I will not be playing this one because it looks kind of lame. <laughs> <laughs> uh maybe then while you're drowning in how lame the vr game you just tried to play is you could sit down and play some western fps uh there's all these games like this that try and emulate the old style of fps the aesthetic kind of like doom yeah it's doom, doom but with doom like it's West. so weird it's more wolfenstein it, it almost yeah. reminds me of that noah's ark super noah's ark 3d game which was just a conversion of um wolfenstein where you were noah and you had to put the animals to sleep by using a slingshot on them yep like mm -hmm. not None of these games, and I've played several, there was one like called Intruder, I think, a while ago. None of them seem to like capture the awesome aesthetic of stuff like Doom, because you got to bear in mind right. that even with limited technology, the guys that made those games are super fucking talented. And even 20, 30 years later, you're not going to make a game that's like timeless like that. Doom still looks mm. good today. Sonic still looks good today. Super Mario still looks good today, because they were made by fucking geniuses. It's pretty hard to emulate that, I think. Right. Uh, the next game is just a cube-based puzzle game. It's called Cubic Complex. And your reason for including this one? I don't know. I liked it. I liked I the love, look of I it. Like cubes. I don't you had like made it. the worst critic. <laughs> I, I just well, like it. I know. I just like it and wanted to that's, succeed. Yeah, that's that's, that's why I'm not a reviewer. That's <laughs> why so I don't review games because I'd be like, games. I like. I like this game. You do have I to be a like bit of an asshole to be a reviewer, I have to say. Like what you like. That's what it's yep, about. It's true. Like, all right. Okay. <laughs> I was just the interested. Game after it. I just wanted to know yeah. if she'd seen something that I hadn't. Um, the game after it, which I legitimately think looks awesome, is okay. War of Castle VR. Uh, wait, this uh, is a VR MOBA? Yeah. <laughs> it was? may suck, but it's it, the endeavor alone I'm impressed with. Yeah, actually, I, I oh, it's a good VR trailer too. I I think uh, pretty much every VR trailer should include the motions that you'll have to make, like a camera pointing at the person. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's a. I don't know if it's really a MOBA because it seems like you're standing in one place. It's almost like more of a tower defense, really. Mm. Yeah, kind of like a reverse stupor. I can't figure out what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, because he's picking up various weapons to, I suppose, defend, and he's. There is lane-based combat going on, but it seems like you're just stuck on a platform kind of trying to help. Right. Like, you're the tower in yeah. the, the MOBA. Yeah, you're you're the base tower. Yeah, interesting. Which is interesting in and of itself. It's a cool idea. Yeah. Mm. I, I just, it's probably not good, but it's like yeah. Jesse said, they're trying new shit. And eventually I something like that. this might be really, really good. Mm -hmm. So I can, uh, yeah, I can applaud them for that. Uh, the next game is called Age of Rivals. This looks really fun to me. This it does look fun. Oh, turn-based card game, cool okay. aesthetic. I'm in. It has war elephants. How to run a great civilization in ten easy steps: one, get all the gold; two, gamble away all the gold; lance without fear; set your enemies on fire. Okay, all right, I'm in. I'm in. This is a good trailer. 
You know, the art of making trailers, especially for indie games, is like something... I know Jim talks a lot about it, but we rarely get into. Like, there's so many just plain bad trailers. Like, I think if this had a bad trailer, I might not be so interested in it. Because, like, the aesthetic's not great, all that kind of thing. But because it's got a fun trailer that doesn't take itself too seriously, I'm more interested in playing it now. Yep. And the last game for the 14th is Mystery Riddles, uh, because I love pick cross games. Mystery uh, Riddles. It's like Minesweeper? What is this? No, it's Dude. Picross. So you like create a picture, but you have to like yeah. follow the instructions about where to put certain colors in order to create the picture. Oh. Oh, there's also one game that's missing from the list for some reason. I believe it is out today, uh, but it's the second Styx game, which is oh. the uh, zomb the goblin stealth game. Yeah. Right. Um, I only just got code for it yesterday, most because I didn't realize it was coming out. Like they, uh, so we had to chase it up. I I don't know if I'll play it because I'm crappy at stealth games. But here's the thing. Um, you know what that conversation we were having earlier about difficulty levels? That game, if you play, I think, on normal or higher, it disables your ability to fight. But if you play on easy mode, it actually be has a combat system instead of oh, just cool. being a stealth game. So I'll probably play it on easy because I prefer uh, stealth action over mm -hmm. pure stealth. But I like that they gave you both options. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've just started playing. I know um, if you want to look at the... Uh, Idiotech has a video out on it. Angry Centaur Gaming has a video out on it if you're interested because it's slipped under many people's radars. It also runs the, pretty well. I'll say I that. the first sticks. I thought it was good. Yeah. It was decent. Um, if you liked um, stealth, yeah. Uh, sticks is pretty cool. I just don't like stealth, so I wasn't really into it. <clears throat> cool. Moving on to the 15th, Like Clay. It's a, uh, it's a walking around game. Story-driven adventure game with horror elements. Yeah. yeah. So walking You're sim. trying to find your friend by finding messages and audio logs inside of a building. I think a lot of that comes down to how interesting the game ends up being as a story. Like, Yeah, whether or not it's intriguing or if it's just like, you read everything. She was in the toilet the whole time. <laughs> it did, yeah, it's like there's nothing in the trailer that like looks different to so many other games in this genre that's getting rapidly expanded. But the, those games rise or fall on how intriguing they are. Uh, it's incidentally, I actually don't call it a walking simulator because it has puzzles in it. Like a walking simulator doesn't have gameplay. This has puzzles. You have to find codes and stuff. So, yeah. Hmm. Uh, the next game I left in for Jesse. It's called Etchy Sketch. Oh my god. Uh, etchy Sketch. Draw cute girls every day. My uh, favorite part is, is the description. It's like you'll need to show them the ropes and perhaps a little more. And. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's a visual novel about you being a full-time manga artist working in an office with a bunch of cute girls. Yeah, that's like my life dream. You don't have clothes, apparently. Uh, some of them just seem to be very lacking in them. In fact, <laughs> naked? No Are you crazy? Oh, jeez. So uh, it's a good time to apparently like these games, I guess. <laughs> right. Also, this trailer and its transitions. Holy fuck! You just got a copy of uh, Microsoft Video Maker or something. <laughs> All the right. next game is called The Butterfly Sign. This Holy looks shit. awesome. So it's a good. Yeah. Oh, I figured out why it's only 249. It's about an hour long. That's right. fine though, right? Like it, it's yeah. a game like that, but it maybe outstay its welcome if it's longer than that. I'm glad that its price matches its life. Right there. Holy shit, that looks awesome. This looks really it reminds me of That is uh, impressive. The one game where you were like a detect where you were a cop and you were killed, but you were your ghost. Shit, what's the name of that game? I played well, it like Don't don't say that. Uh, because you yeah, yeah, end up spoiling game. what the game is. No, no, no. It's literally the premise of the game. 
Uh, something. No, I'm gonna look. This Murdered up. soul a, suspect. Murdered soul suspect. It reminds me of that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. How how does it remind you of that? Uh, just the look, the look of like how you investigate things. That's what I mean. Oh, like, okay. Visually, oh. it has that look to it. So far, I've just seen walking, so I don't know what the mechanics are. <laughs> but Lots actually, bloom. there doesn't seem to be any mechanics. It's just a walking sim. Oh, uh, the end of the trailer. Ah, yeah. ah, there you go. There you go. You're right. Yeah, yeah it looks just like okay, that. Okay, now I'm totally getting what you mean. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. It actually does look like that. Yeah. All right, cool. I'm down. All right. Cool. Next game is called Future Unfolding. It's like a really pretty painterly looking game. It's a little adventure top-down game. That's this is Bob Ross Simulator 2017, isn't it? Look at look at the aesthetic and tell me there's not a little bit of Bob Ross involved in that. That is some that is some Sienna Brown right there. Is what that is. Wow, okay, you're going way over my head with that one. I don't know anything about art. Apparently he does. Isn't I like that though. That's I haven't seen an aesthetic like that before. That's pretty neat. That interesting. Like, mm. yeah. Also, has a little bit of that. Cool shit, man. I love it. Wasn't that a game of Epi Story that had the fox with you that this actually yeah. looks quite yep. like? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Typing game? That was yeah. like an origami ish kind of yeah, game. Yeah, actually, you're right. Totally. The next game is called Waking Glares. It's another adventure first person story game. Yep, that's but, only the first two chapters of it as it well. It looks pretty. How can a book change the universe? That's I a like perfect it. voice for it. I don't know. I, I couldn't tell it. I couldn't tell you that. Cool. So there's that. It looks um, nice. Yeah. Chaos Code, new sign of catastrophe, comes out for PS4 and PC. Ah, Arc System Works. Uh, this is an anime fighter. That looks yeah. a bit. Another thing that I'll never get to learn. Yo, it looks so dope, though. It, it looks tank. very King of Fighters, doesn't it? Mm hmm. There's that a one lot guy just made a man into an empanada and then body slammed him. Get the fuck <laughs> out. All right. That is trailer. That is amazing. <laughs> what an ability. Where was that? Uh, was that in the oh. first? I'm sorry. I, had, I need to see this again. It's in the exact middle. It's a little bit before the middle of the actual trailer on okay. the Steam page. Uh, is it after the custom colors bit? Oh, shit. I just saw it. That's Turns incredible. Into an empanada. Body slams an empanada. That is Instant replay. Nope, nope, uh, here. It's, there you go, instant re Let's see it again. Let's see it again. Empanada <laughs> slam. Done. It's so good. Jesus. All right, cool. Moving on to March 16th, another game that I kept in for Jesse, Soul Saber 2. It's oh, a game where you're a team of, like, robot girls and you all fight each other. Oh, I, this thing. Oh, yes. Though I heard about this a couple of months ago. And it's literally a, it's basically like a kind of virtual on shooter game where you shoot anime girls and their clothes fall off. It's kind of like an arena fighting game. Yep. And, uh, yep. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Steam. So there's that. Next up is The Keep. Dungeon Crawler. Uh, yeah. I think cool. It's been on iOS for a little bit, actually. Uh, very, um, okay. yeah, I think so. Uh, very Legends of, uh, was it, um, Grim, Grimrock, Legend of yeah, Grimrock. Yeah. Yes, very, yeah. yeah, very Grimrock. First-person dungeon crawler, basically. Uh, I mean, it looked good on iOS, but you know, obviously Grimrock exists as well. But I guess if you enjoyed Grimrock, then this is quite a similar style of game. The next game is one that a bunch of people have said is awesome: a hundred-foot robot girl, 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 girl. Perf. Are you want to try that again? 
golf. Donk, do you, you want to play golf with me? Golf, golf. <laughs> and arf, come play golf. It, it sounds like a, a dog with a learning disability that just hasn't learned from It's like, golf, golf. Like, no, it's no. hard to say. A hundred foot robot golf. A hundred foot golf, golf, golf. Holy shit, you're not kidding, though. This, this looks fucking look. awesome. Holy, yeah. f look at this thing. This is insane. I love it. He just, he, he just fucking knocked a plane out of the sky. Oh, there's anime in it. Of course there is, for some reason. That man just did a amazing oh, dance. What is happening? Why this is, is amazing. Why, they hoverboards? <laughs> why not? Why is everything on a hoverboard? You can knock over buildings. It's there's insane. a corgi in it for some reason. Oh, it's got split screen too. I am yeah. in. That's It's dancing. I am in. This looks great. Next. Yep. The next game is called 64.0. It is a, it looks very simplistic. It's You're a not rhythm kidding game. about that. It's like, thanks oh. to the revival of the Atari 2600 aesthetic right here. Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of rhythm shooter. Mm. The end of that trailer gets super like, that's crazy. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah. I'll try to skip forward. Uh, Steam's very, very slow in that regard. <laughs> the next game is Virtual Rides 3, which is like a, you know, another one of those, ah, you making rides. Experiences, yeah. VR thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, Snowflake's Chance is the game after that, which looks Snowflake. awesome, and I want to play it so bad. What? It... Snowflake's a cute little bunny. Yeah. And it's going to die. Oh, it got impaled on a spike. That's horrifying. You have 99 <laughs> chances to escape the pit. There is no hope. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, oh my god, I'm having flashbacks of Terraria as he falls down shafts. This is great, actually. It looks great. You go down the elevator by the looks of it. It's like, it, it, weirdly enough, like the terrain does look very Terraria-like, doesn't it? Yeah. I think it's the parallax at the back that's doing it. The way the mm -hmm. backdrops are, that's what really makes it look like that. The game after that is called Pastelia Stories. It's a turn-based game. Japanese-style turn-based role-playing game. Uh, what do they mean by that? Is it a tactics game? Is it an SRP? It's actually... Oh, it's also not in English. So... Oh, so... Ah, so what they're doing, they're putting it in early access to fund the English translation. Mm. And also to then test the English translation. Right. That's not a bad idea, really. Actually, that's one of the, like, really justifiable reasons, I guess. The problem is... That means your potential market is people in Japan and people that know Japanese. That's limiting your demographic a little. Yeah, it is. But I guess if people look at it and they're like, oh, I want that, it would be kind of like crowdfunding, right? Like, I can't yes. play it yet, but I want to give them money to see what this is like when it's in English. Yeah, you have a very good point there. That's an interesting way of using the system. The game after that, March 17th, is called Light Apprentice. It's a game that progresses through comic book panels. A comic like game a book. A whole mm. game? Yeah. yeah. Ooh. I, I mean, I like the aesthetic of this. But yeah, you, so you go through comic books, and it's a choose-your-own-adventure, but it, rather, it seems like rather than reading text, you are... Oh, neat. You, I'm you, in. This is cool as shit. Yeah, you're watching... Like, well, it's a motion comic. But yeah. you're given like little mini games and QTEs and stuff mm. during it and choices to make. I love this idea. What a cool yeah. advancement. Yeah. I'm in. I'm trying this. 
The game after that is called War Tile. This looks cool. I yeah. Yeah, I got sent like something about this a long time ago. It's a so the the next thing apparently is going to be collectible virtual miniatures games. <laughs> oh God. Um, right. Ubisoft has already launched a beta for a Might and Magic related one that I haven't got around to playing yet. War Tile is another one like that. So you'll kind of be collecting these m virtual miniatures and customizing them with abilities and painting them and all that kind of thing. But it's a sort of collectible tactics game for the most part that looks like a, a board uh, board game. Hmm. It does it does look pretty neat. I like the fact you can zoom out to see the whole battlefield and actually, it it's a table. It's an actual yeah. table. The, is this is this VR? It doesn't say VR. This should be VR though. I think you're right. Yeah. I'd totally be in for playing this in VR, like being able to pick stuff up with the controller and like stare around the battlefield, even go down to my troops level and see the scale of the board. Because yeah. like this is what people tried to do with the physical models and like putting trees and stuff in, but and you know just a lot more detail and stuff. That'd yeah, be really neat. and there's there's quite a few um, board games available right now that are t tile building games. There's a Magic the Gathering one, and there was an old one. I oh got a HeroScape that was released ages ago that was kind of aimed at kids, but you kind of built up the battlefield with like stacks and height was a factor in the game. Uh, so it seems like they've taken that to its logical extreme within a video game. I'll try this, looks neat. Um, after that is Nier. Yep. Nier Automata, uh, I will say by the way, uh, there's no sign of PC code coming before release. Uh, this is out in two days. We got told there's no PC code yet. We don't know what the port's like. Just be careful, okay? Yeah. Just w wait on Next. it. Yeah. Next up is a game called Antagonist, which uh, it says, team up with the Hero of Light and unleash devastating combos on your foes. Will you work together to uncover the conspiracy behind the video game cutscene industry or clash <laughs> like true heroes and villains? This seems super self-referential and very meta. If it's done well, that could be very amusing indeed. Mm -hmm. The question is, will it be? It's a cool yeah. idea, though. It's apparently a mostly visual novel with some RPG stuff in it. The next game is called Ascender. It's a exploration puzzle game, 2D, kind of like um, Machinarium and <clears> games <throat> like that. I like the logo. It's in runes. Yeah. That's neat, isn't it? The game after that is called Ninja Avenger Dragon Blade. That is over the top as fuck. I hope that it embraces that fact. Ah, this looks really familiar. Is this by the same dudes that made uh, Kung Fu Strike? I don't know. Checking. Nope. Uh, it just looked very familiar to Kung Fu Strike, which was actually, that game had no right to be as good as it was. It looked like complete dog shit until I played it, and it was super cool. Mm. I'm not sure if this one, it looks quite as cool as that, but yeah, it's sort of you know ninja fighting game. The game after that is called The Tenth Line. It is a side-scrolling RPG. Um, and I just liked the look of it. Yeah, art-wise, I think it's, it's <clears> cool. <throat> side-scrolling RPG is very interesting. Yeah, it's not been done a, a full-on side-scrolling RPG. It's fairly rare. It's been done a couple of times. I remember uh, a couple of them, but not all that many. Yeah, it doesn't look too shabby. 
All right, if you want a name that's that's truly over the top, Tokyo Twilight Ghost Hunters Daybreak. Holy shit, this game looks amazing. The artwork is fucking incredible this in this game. Amazing. What the butts? I'm in. Yeah. Mm, it's it's definitely not one of those thrown together visual novels. Like they actually yeah. have a proper artist behind this shit. It you're right, it does look very slick. And the combination of that aesthetic with the stylization they're doing, with things like the logos and the lighting, and just that subtle movement that's going on. There's straight up just battles in this game. Yeah, it, it's interactive fiction, they're calling it. Like, it has some, it has some actual gameplay elements. Basically, it's, uh, it's kind of Dangan... I mean, I guess not so much Dangan Romperest, but it's got gameplay in it as a visual yeah. novel. But, oh, yeah, there's all sorts of crazy shit going on with this. Wow. Hmm. That's awesome. Looks cool. Yeah. The next one is called, oh, it's another Sinran Kagura game. Yo. It's like, it's like the anime girls and they're doing their thing and you can choose to play any of the different anime girls and fight other anime girls. Uh, it's Estival versus. I, uh, I, I think yeah. that's the, because they've done a few things, haven't they? That they're, they're, They've got kind of, it's kind of like a spectacle fighter with boobies, but they also did yeah. a cooking game or some shit. Yeah. Right? So it's kind of a big franchise thing. I love that the trailer just starts out with the existence of emotions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a booby fighter is yeah. what it is. After that is Foot Rock VR, which is uh, this, basically- No, a, stop. We've done this six times already. Have we? I we don't really even, have. I've apparently blacked out every time. I don't blame that. you at all for having blacked that out. We keep getting back to this shit. Let's stop. Next. You don't okay. want to play Foot Rock? Game after that is called Dead Inside. It's Which a, is what I would be after playing Foot Rock <laughs> VR. <laughs> it's, an, it's a survival game. Uh, early access survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That looks generic as fuck. And then after that is Lemuria Lost in Space. What a weird concept here. It's point and click RPG and survival game? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I I saw this uh, like last week, I think, and it was a bit bonkers. Like, it's a big genre masher. Uh, Mm. It has a demo, so I guess you can try it. But yeah, you're right. That's a really weird mix of stuff. After that is a game called Badass. Uh... Uh... Yo. I am going to assume you included this for us to laugh at, right? Out of uh, town with these screenshots. Yes. <laughs> right? I know. It's, uh, it's a game where you're a loser, and then you prove yourself as a badass Ooh. <laughs> in, a, in an RPG. I like how the name drop... The ladies dr- don't wear clothes, because fuck it. I love how they name drop Dragon Quest, as if that's justifiable. But here is the best line of the whole description. And when you look up and get to purchase a sexy slave for a few dozen bucks... A few dozen bucks? I am so... I, why, why, what? <laughs> I have a few dozen bucks laying around. Oh my god, look at this. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I'm playing this. <laughs> Don't support yeah. this kind of thing. And the last game for this week is called Buck. But does he like to fuck? I I don't know. He's a dog, so probably. Yes, I would assume he will then. So yeah. Yeah. I'm Damn, he does that. look like it. It's a they call it a Metroid Brawler. Which uh, is an interesting little uh, portmanteau that I've never heard of before. 
Is he a dog? No, he's a duck. Yeah. Is he... No, it's a duck. Oh, dog. yeah. He looks more like a duck. Hey, this doesn't look bad. Like, once it actually does the gameplay and the systems. There's, like, weapon customization and... This reminds me of uh, Shank. Right. You remember Shank? Yeah, that was kick-ass. Kind of a bit like that, yeah. Uh, it is early access, but yeah, I mean, if they polish this up... It... Oh, that, that weapon crafting system's kind of neat. They're putting together the parts in a sort of blueprint. That's pretty cool. But that's not a dog. That's a duck. I'm sorry. It's a dog. It's a duck. Look at its beak. What? Look at it's the size of its beak. All right, we'll split the difference and say it's a platypus, okay? No. <laughs> no. No, I'm we won't. So you guys like that. Say dog I thought, I thought you were tolerant liberals. Where's the compromise? <laughs> No, it's a platypus. It's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Jesus Christ. Yeah. We the like end. having fun on this show sometimes. The end. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, there's a, there's a few noteworthy things there. Like I said, I'm probably going to try Wartile, definitely. Uh, yeah. Sticks is actually... Yeah, it's out right now. Oh, we missed one thing. Huh. Oh no. And I can't believe you missed it because you missed the Steam version of Monster Mon Piece. Is that out today? It's out right now. <laughs> and the rub mode is in the game. Yeah, that's good. Oh, love. I assume you just have to do it with your mouse. I guess if you did it with a trackpad um. on a laptop, right? This game, it survived. <laughs> that's terrifying. I remember talking about the monster rubbing game years ago. And so we're long ago. Here we are. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Like, have Extreme they been putting rub uncensored game on Steam? Yeah. You and have to. You have to like note it though. Really? Are you sure this is uncensored? It's uh, the. I'm, I'm looking. Sure, right I, I know that there are uncensored games. Is what I'm saying. It says 60 FPS, 1080p, uncensored artwork, good mouse and pad support. Japanese voice uh, subs. Like, that's... Apparently it also has microtransactions. Enjoy that. Of course it does. It... Yeah, it... That's interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, th there's been a lot of debate as to the whole, you know, should we have nudity on Steam or should we not? We had uh, Lady Killer in a bind that was uncensored and had that right. stuff. So I wonder, you know, is Valve just opening the floodgates to that kind of thing now? I don't know. Yeah, that's. I thought it was banned. I thought that you couldn't show nudity on Steam. That's interesting. You, yeah. I mean, de well, Lady Killer in a Bind has nudity in it, and I'm pretty sure there are. It depends on the. I mean, this is going to get banned on Twitch. I have no doubt about right, that. Right. Um, well, maybe it's not nudity, but like sexual, like overt sexual content is what they have banned. I don't know. But um, even then. There's still things in these descriptions that are like linked to where you can download the patch. Wink. Some some of them so. do that. Yeah. Some of them just like they release the censored version on Steam and then they say, if you want to get the uncensored version, you got to download a patch off site. So it's it lets Valve wash the hands of it. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, we've had this discussion before and I'm interested to see if uh, we see more uncensored games on Steam and that Valve has maybe subtly changed their policy. Mm. Needless to say, they didn't tell anybody because that's Valve for you. Yeah. There you go. Cool. I guess we are about done with the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for watching. A little bit of a longer show today. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice. I guess I'm not doing any videos today. That's fine. I'm going to set up my VR rig. But if you would like to check out our content, Jesse, what you got coming up this week? What's going on? Yo, uh, if you wanted more Layers of Fear from Scary Game Squad, that is coming. Uh, boy, does that game get better the more you play it? Uh, 
also my my bay bay loy and i are gonna have more adventures probably today and uh that will last throughout the week and hopefully i can wrap up a bunch of shit so i can jump into automata because shit i want to play that game so badly and yeah it's just sitting here it's good so far good so far that's the plan dodger what you got anime news gaming news lots of streams um first episode of a new show is gonna go up so i'd love your guys's feedback on that um yeah just same old so come hang out if you dig what i what i do if you've never watched me before i'd love it if you would give me a shot Thanks. Force, what Overwatch speculation do you have coming over the next few weeks? I don't know weeks? what you're talking about. <laughs> if you've ever heard of a game called Overwatch, I cover it on my channel. Uh, once in a blue moon, I play other games too. And I stream on Twitch occasionally. Not Overwatch most of the time, coincidentally, on Twitch. So, Cool. I will see what's coming over the next couple of days. I, I, I've got a lot of stuff on my plate at the moment. We'll see what I decide to cover. I don't really want to make any promises. All I'm saying is we're sort of back up to more regular schedule. So there will be more videos coming out this week. Feel free to check out my too many sodding games video that I released today, which includes praise for Bethesda pinball, by the way, just saying <laughs> like Bethesda pinballs actually fucking great and probably better than Elder Scrolls Online. In fact, definitely better than Elder Scrolls Online. So go and have a look at that. The big thing that I'm doing this week is on March the 18th, that is this Saturday, Shoutcraft Kings comes back. We had a month's hiatus due to my surgery, but we are back. And uh, Mr. Bunny, I know it's not very intimidating, is it? His name's Bunny. Uh, we'll be defending his championship against all comers, seven and a half thousand Dollar prize bill on the line is provided by Blizzard and our sponsors, shoutcraft.ting.com, which is a great place to go if you would like to get a mobile phone plan in the United States that isn't terrible. Right, hmm. nice. Uh, outside of that, I'll be streaming probably. I'd like to say I'll be streaming Faria, but I'll only be doing that if they actually fix it because I can't play. Yeah. Just make a box opening video, TV. Those do great. I just, I'm not Crendor. Come on. <laughs> Nobody cares about box opening Inferior anyway. Like, it, you'd have to actually play the game to have the context for it. But a lot of people have, actually have been playing Inferior and really digging it. It got a huge boost on launch on Steam. So it's kind of it's nice to see that, you know? It's like, hey, this is a good game. We broke their servers for a good few hours. So that was kind of cool, I suppose. Good. I imagine they weren't happy. Also, by the way, you can stop tweeting me. You can stop sending me emails. The developers are sending me a yak. I will have my yak. They apparently have made a limited number of plush yaks. One is coming my way. Aww. So it, I'll have the yak. I will adopt that yak and I will treat it well. I'll treat it right. Adorable. Yeah. Uh, probably about it for me, I think. Buy my voice pack in StarCraft. It'll make you play better. Honest. Totes. Totally. I believe it. Indeed. Big thanks, of course, to our sponsor today, Squarespace.com. Slash co-optional is the link to go to purchase your services with Squarespace. 10% of your first order and a free trial. Any idiot can make a website using Squarespace, so go and do that. Any idiot. That piques forces interest by looks of it. Like, oh, really? Any idiot. Anyone. Dogpiled. <laughs> Good guy. Very nice. Kind of an idiot. <laughs> Good guy. <laughs> Shit sandwich. <laughs> what can we say? Thank you very much for watching the Co-Optional Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Be excellent to one another. Do not find your, define your identity by the products you buy, and don't be mad at people having different opinions about video games, please. 
That that would that would be nice. Possible. Let's just try and be excellent to one another for at least a day, eh? We've had enough bullshit over the past few days. Nobody needs any more of it. Thank you for watching the show. Big thanks to our guest, Force SC2 Strategy. I hate you. It's your fault for not getting a better YouTube channel name. Fix it, goddammit. <laughs> Big thanks to Jesse and Dodge, of course, for spending their time with us today. We will be back at the same time next week, 3 p.m. Eastern. Bear in mind that daylight savings time that screwed you all over. There is a one hour less gap. So the show, I think, is one hour earlier in the UK and Europe and Australia and other places. So just bear that in mind future live broadcasts. Big thanks to all our new subscribers. And we are about done. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. See ya. Bye. -bye.